We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Brian, it's mailbag time. You and I haven't done a mailbag together in a very long time. We've got 12 stars so far. I want you all to get some more of those questions in. And I'm going to start down at the bottom, Brian, to kind of continue this tight end conversation that we were having because there's a couple people talking about this. Sammy J said this. Braden's injuries are concerned. Not sure how that affects the math. Uh, Detroit Hunter says we have too high of an injury rate at the tight end with a few other guys on the roster. A um, couple things about that. Those are good, valid points. But Kevin Bauman is not being – is not – He's a senior already. You're not equating a senior into the numbers in the 24 and 25 classes. They're already gone. You're already, you're recruiting, you're, you're talking about recruiting junior classes and younger. So when you look at the junior class now, uh, does Notre Dame even, yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about you've got Mitchell Evans in that class, right? He still has multiple years of eligibility left. Then you have Eli Raritan. Yes, that's a legitimate knee injury concern. Not going to say it isn't. You have Holden Stace in that class, who has still three years of eligibility left. Then you have Cooper Flanagan, who's coming in, and he doesn't really have a legitimate – I mean, he had a late-season injury. It's nothing major that most kids don't have. And then, of course, you got Jack Larson. So the only guy with any kind of significant injury history of that group is Eli Raritan. So he's your fourth guy. But the thing is, you – for me, if five is where you ideally want to be, and then you – you because you'll you'll get to six, Brian, but you're getting a six – for a year, and then you know you're getting down because you're going to lose two guys off the roster or a guy off the roster yeah. that next year, right? Or you lose some kids to transfer, and then you go get a tight end down the road. I think that's really where Notre Dame is. Is like if we get to the point where we need a tight end because of injuries, because we've gone through the year and Eli's just not coming back the way we think he's going to come back, you can go get a tight end down the road that's a, a sure. guy. And, or here's another thought. You don't think there's going to be transfers beating down the door to want to come play tight end at Notre Dame, right? That's the other thing is there are some opportunities where Notre Dame can get a graduate guy to come in for a year to provide Absolutely. depth to tight end. Because here's the thing, folks, that Notre Dame can sell for NFL for kids that want to go to the NFL. A couple of years ago, our number three tight end, when we when I'm looking at I'm talking when I say we I'm talking about from the Notre Dame coach's standpoint, right? Hey, when we last time we went to the playoff. Our number one tight end is about to be a first-round draft pick. Our number two tight end was a third-round draft pick. 
And our number three tight end, yeah, he went undrafted, but he's currently starting in the NFL for the Detroit Lions. All three of our tight ends from the 2020 roster are probably going to be starters in 2023 in the NFL. That's your selling point. You can't sell it any better than that. You know, and so, yeah, you may come here and be a number two, but guess what? Our number two tight ends at Notre Dame are NFL players. It's amazing. That's the reality of it. It's That's another one of those randoms. I don't know if three guys that played at the same time, specifically at tight end. You have to go back to the Lou Holtz era to do that. Yeah, I mean, Oscar. You had like Derek Brown, Irv, because you had three. You had Oscar. Oscar Irv Smith and Derek Brown were all on a roster for like uh, two years under Holtz. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, and then one year you had, I think it was Irv. And Oscar, and I think Pete Kriplevitz was on that, was with yep. them for a year when Derek left, and then Pete, I think, came, I think, yep. for a year. But Brian, it's it's it just doesn't happen like that very often. It doesn't. And that's another name selling point is and the undrafted guy is, last year played better than the guy that got picked in the third round, talking about Brock Wright. So uh that's football. Can, <laughs> if you need it, the point is to address the 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 because Detroit Hunter and Sammy J, you guys are bringing up valid points. Like we don't know what Eli Raritan is going to be, but the staff is already kind of planning for that. We can go get a guy later, or that's a position where we know we can go in the portal and get a graduate guy for a year. I'd rather commit to a guy for a year than commit to a guy for four that we may end up not having the ideal numbers for. That's that the point right there. I had that conversation with some people this weekend. They didn't like it because they were on the other side. Their kids trying to get recruited and stuff. O-line and quarterback, it's, it's the worst because those two spots take the longest to develop historically. And Notre Dame, to your point, look, it's not hard to sell tight end in recruiting, especially to a guy that's on that teeter-totter point. You know, he was a BC. He was he could be a Dartmouth or Cal. It doesn't matter. You go play one year at Notre Dame and put on your resume that you were a tight end. That's not going to hurt your cause. Right. It's just not. So I don't know. Has Notre Dame taken a, a true tight end transfer from grad off the top of my head? I can't. I don't think they have. Have they? If they did, it was somebody. I, I Not just, as a starter. I mean, not, not as. I mean, they've gotten. They got a, I think, a, like a walk on kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like for grant, if you get any kind of grant aid and you're trying to get an MBA or something, sure, go to Notre Dame. And here's the other thing too that people have to understand: Notre Dame doesn't look at Henry Garrity the same way they do most walk-ons. That's the other part of this too: is Henry Garrity's coming to Notre Dame as a walk-on as part of the 2023 class. This is a kid that if he was not Pat Garrity's son and was not considered a lock to go to Notre Dame, would have a lot more Division One offers, in my opinion. And so Everybody that's the, thought that's where he was going. So exactly. They all knew. They weren't going to waste their time recruiting Henry Garrity when they knew he was going to go to Notre Dame. And so that's the other thing too, Ryan, is, or, uh, Brian, that people have to consider is you got to think about the, the Henry Garrity aspect of this conversation as well. Because Henry Garrity is a kid that had MAC offers. He had offers from Ivy League schools. And so instead of him being your grad transfer from the Ivy League in four years, you just took him now as a walk-on. And so that's the other thing, too, is if you're talking about numbers down the road, Henry Garrity has to be looked at differently than just a typical walk-on. Where ah, he's going to be – this is a kid that down the road has an opportunity to be a guy that is playing it for Notre Dame at tight end. Now, maybe he doesn't, and if he doesn't, it's because you're great there. But if you get into a position where you need a guy to be your number two, number three, Henry Garrity is going to be entering year two, year three, year four. That's going to be a good football player. 
and you're not committing a scholarship to him. And if he earns a scholarship down the road, then then you're again, you're committing a scholarship for a shorter period of time than bringing in a four year player. So that's the other thing you have to consider is and here's the other thing, too, is let's say you bring in a big name tight end and he's not going to play for a couple of years. OK, so you brought him in and you left out, lost out on number somewhere else. Are you, can you promise me that that top 50 national recruited tight end is going to stay if he's not playing that much the next couple of years? You Probably. know who's not going to leave? Henry Garrity. So yep. those are the things you have to look at and consider when you're talking about putting a roster together. It, fans just think it's just go get just load up. Oh, load up and figure it out. I mean, there's something to that, but you can't just do that willy nilly. You have to have some strategy involved to just load up and figure <laughs> it out. And I think right now, Notre Dame has been a bit over on tight end numbers in, in for years. And I think now they're saying, hey, we're going to do a lot of 12 personnel, but we don't need six tight ends to do 12 personnel the right way. We can do that with five and then maybe bring in an extra receiver, an extra running back, an extra linebacker, an extra D lineman or an extra DB. And I think that's the other thing, too, is I think there's some rethinking of what the roster makeup needs to be. And, and I think that's a that's a good thing because the game is changing. You got to look at what your future opponents are. You might look at your next three years on the schedule and say, boy, there's a lot of spread teams on our schedule. It would be that's smart right. for us to maybe add an extra defensive back on there. One of the things that Mike Gundy talked about, what helped them on defense under Jim Knowles is they reallocated their numbers. They said they took two scholarships away from the offense and gave them to the defense, which allowed them to just every year go out and get more athletes. And next thing you know, they finally get that veteran team and most spots veteran that can go out there and play. And so I think that's the thing to consider. I And, and again, I understand the injury concern that people are, are bringing up. That's a very valid point. I'm just saying there's other ways to rectify that than bringing in a freshman who's, you, you know, you're basically committing four years to, or a big time freshman who you may lose, you may lose it. Cause then if he comes, Brian, he's not happening, he leaves. You've not only missed, you've not only lost him, but you lost out on that extra scholarship that you could have used somewhere. 100%. That's why if, unless it's just a dude, I know this isn't popular with the people I deal with. I'm taking the transfer. It's just true. They're, it's more surefire. And it's a less long decision, meaning it's one or two right. years instead of Or four. give me a really good walk-on, like a Luke Talich, like a Henry sure. Garrity. Guys that are legitimate FBS players that in time could end up being could end up helping. Like, I'm not saying that Henry Garrity is going to eventually develop into Michael Mayer. I'm not saying that. But could I see a scenario <laughs> right. where you're running 13 personnel and Henry Garrity's part of your, your rotation package? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at David Sherwood last year. Right. I didn't exactly. know who the hell that guy was. Right. He's earned right. his way or they wouldn't have put him on the field. And he played right. all the time. Right. And Make he played well. Did you yeah. ever watch a game? You're like, man, that David Sherwood guy really screwed that play up. He smacked oh. people in the mouth, bro. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, and again, he eventually earned a scholarship and maybe Henry will too, but I'd, I'd rather be that than, than the two scenarios that I, that I got to. So that's kind of where I'm at. So the points are valid folks about the, the injuries, very valid. I just think that there's other ways to rectify that if it becomes a problem. And, um, and, and, and also we have to think about Henry Garrity as part of those numbers as well. So, cause if his name isn't Henry Garrity, the odds are Brian, you'd have had to offer him a scholarship to get him on campus. I mean, you take advantage of that in my opinion. Hey, man, you only get so many freebies if you're Notre Dame. They almost always get the short end of the recruiting right. advantage stick, distance, weather, grades, et cetera. When you can grab something, make sure you do. This is a good chance to do so.
Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AGI a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune support system, but I hate taking pills. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, which is helping me kick my sugar addiction. In the morning before I get to work, I like getting something healthy in my body. And with AG1, I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. It's very important for me to get my day started off with something healthy. But with my schedule, it's hard to prepare healthy meals. AG1 is a very quick way to pack my body with all that I need to jumpstart my day in a very healthy way. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing every morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com irish. That's athleticgreens.com irish. Check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's what I love about the staff, Brian, because it may not end up being something that allows them to win a championship or whatever. We'll find that out. But it's so important to have a really quality walk-on program. And and Brian Kelly did okay with this. Uh, he did. I mean, look, there's been several walk-ons that have helped Notre Dame. But the last couple of years, I really feel like the walk-on game has stepped up. And maybe it's an anomaly. But when you're talking about Jordan Faison, who's down there in Florida, when you're talking about Luke Talich, who had who turned down offers from Utah and Washington State to come to Notre Dame, when you're talking about Henry Gary, who's turning down Utah. Mac offers, exactly. Right. Utah's Notre damn Dame. good. Yes. Right? You upped your walk-on game in a big way. The kid from and, Florida is legit. I watched his yeah, play too. He could play. A, a lot a, of he could play. He could play in the in the AAC. He could play in the Sun Belt. He could play in the Conference USA. No question. And maybe you know help Notre Dame out down the road. So they've upped their walk on game in a big way, and that's important. Very important because you know you oh we lost this guy at linebacker. It's all right. Luke Talich is there. You're going to be fine. The depth is going to be just fine. And and I think Henry Garrity falls into that conversation as well. Got a question here, Ryan, Brian, that's going to be for you. This is from USMA87. Is there a Florida recruit that Notre Dame has a better than normal shot to land? Because obviously Florida has not been a very kind state to Notre Dame for a while. Uh, this is a multiple-pronged answer, um, as this person probably knows. And I live here in Florida, have since 2016. This state is 
from a football and prospect perspective as individualized as any in the country tenfold. We don't know why. Even the people that live here, some of the trainers and coaches, that doesn't fit Notre Dame very well, and I'm being uber kind. So with that in mind, the kids they've targeted have been private school kids and just exceptional athletes, guys outside the box. Uh, three of them are at Carrollwood Day School in Tampa um, that I know well, um, and there could be a couple others possibly, but Solomon Williams, DN, I'll talk about in a second. We talked about Bredell Richardson, Anthony Carey. Any of those three, ironically, again, all the same school, could end up at Notre Dame. Solomon, for people that don't know, I talked to him Saturday. Uh, when I talked to him, he'd just gotten a text message from a guy by the name of Marcus Freeman. So they are definitely recruiting him. Uh, he's an edge defender, 6'3", 250 kid. Uh, that His recruitment went bananas in January. He told me that he goes, I just, I'd like to visit Notre Dame. I have so many visits lined up. I have to stay home at least one weekend this spring so his mom doesn't like kill him. But he might visit this summer. They could get any of those kids, but to be honest, I don't know if it's all that necessary. I can't believe I'm saying this. They've done well enough, and this goes back to your point about the whole 247 debate, nationally and just cherry picking, and this is hard to do. They get like one kid out of this thing, one kid out of this, two out of this, and then it works out. If you tell most programs that they will go multiple years in a row without getting a kid out of Florida, it's probably not gone well. You're not going to be a title contender without that, right? Yeah. Put it it like this. Pittsburgh, when I was growing up and watching Notre Dame in the mid to late 80s, was damn good. The first game that Tony Rice got into and played a lot was against Pittsburgh, and they got – I think that was the game that Hayward just just dismantled Notre Dame's front. But – like he did everybody's. But they didn't have to recruit Florida. This past year, Pittsburgh signed seven. That's how much talent is that. It's insane. So, number one, those are the kids I think it can be, but it's okay if it doesn't work out because, like you've said over and over, and you've argued with different people, it is what it is. Notre Dame can go long stretches without hitting Texas or California, whatever. They're one of about, what do you say, Brian, five to seven schools that are kind of like that and get away with it. Mm-hmm. And, again, this is a culture issue more than anything else, especially the public schools down here. The kids want upfront NIL money, period. Upfront, stick it in your nose. If you don't like it, we out. And it's a lot of it's the handlers and the people around. Yeah. As slimy as it gets, oftentimes the kids aren't even the ones. That, it, it's grotesque. Um, I have stories. That's, that that's part of it, Brian. But, uh, and you're spot on about NIL. But the reality is, is this has been going on longer than NIL has been a thing. There's other oh, factors. Well, number one 100%. being the education is not stressed as much. in Florida as it is in other areas. And number three, and this is a legitimate thing, if you're a kid in the Southeast, I don't need to leave the Southeast to play for a title contender and go to the NFL. Texas doesn't have that same draw right now. It just doesn't. That's California doesn't have that same draw right now. And so that's where, you know, look, Notre Dame has to find areas where they can get that kind of athlete. They they can't just ignore the the, the, the type of athletes you get in Florida. The point that I've made is if you do it right, there's other parts of the country you can hit to find those guys. And that's been my point. And you can't miss those guys in your backyard. Like you can't miss Caleb Browns. Well, this staff's not missing Caleb Brown. This staff isn't missing on A.J. Henning. This staff isn't missing on those northern athletes that they've lost out in the past. That's important. Now, some you're going to miss out on because you can't get them into school. Mylon Graham from Fort Wayne. 
there's a reason Notre Dame just stopped recruiting him last summer because like it's just not going to happen, right? But you can go to Texas and get those top players. You can go to California and get a Jason Robinson. And, you know, talk about Texas. You can go to Texas and get Braylon James and and Caleb Smith and 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 uh, Jaden Greathouse and get Rico out of Florida. I mean, out of California, you can get Jason Robinson and maybe out of California, you get Cam out of Chicago, you know, find that sleeper somewhere else and say all of a sudden you're like, wow, you got a pretty darn good recruiting class. You can get a Jeremiah Love out of Missouri. The, the reason that they've been able to survive without getting Florida in the last couple of classes is because they're doing the work to find those athletes in other places. Jeremiah Love is a type of athlete you normally get out of Florida. You happen to get him out of a private school in St. Louis. Take advantage Right. Braylon James is normally the kind of athlete that's going to be in a Texas, a California or a Florida only. You're not going to find a lot of Braylon Jameses in Virginia, in Jersey, in Pennsylvania. Texas is a place that is right now. And Brian, you've lived there for a little bit. It's a it's a far more conducive to a leaving the state. There's just there's not as many schools around there that are big time football. And it's also it's it's there's a there's a lot more Braylon Jameses in Texas than it's just sadly. There's a lot more Kedron Youngs and Braylon Jameses in Texas than there is in Florida, where it's the support system is pro Notre Dame. Very and, much so. and you know, or or in the case of some they're more open to saying encouraging kids to leave and get out of the state. In Florida, there's a heavy push to stay around from families, from coaches, and all over the place. And so, I mean, Brian, you're not gonna find a more Notre Dame elite kid than Keon Keeley. You're just not. I mean, everything about Keon Keeley is that's a Notre Dame kid and couldn't get him. If you can't get Keon Keeley, you're just not going, you're just not going to get many kids from Florida. So you have to really think how much are we going to really invest in the state? Find your Anthony carries, find your Bredell Richardson's find those kids, but other than, and, and, and do it at certain positions, just know you really shouldn't waste your time recruiting a defensive lineman in Cal in, in Florida unless he's just a unique, different kid. But even then, I'd say Keon Keeley, private school kid, great st- three point four GPA plus type of kid. You know, er- checks all the pro Notre Dame boxes. As soon as he became a five star, it's over. I literally had someone in this camp tell me, "Well, he's a five star now." Like that supposedly changes something, but it does. You know what I mean? And so if you can't get Keon Keeley, you're just, what, what are we doing down here? And I think Notre Dame has been smart about that. They are recruiting kids in Florida, but they're not banking on Florida. That's the best way to put it. If That's you get a kid from Florida later, and I've talked to Bredell and some of these guys about it, like timeline is everything for all the schools. But I told them, especially for the schools that are recruiting like Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State, they're going to want to know a little earlier because all these schools, it's the same deal. They get the rug pulled out from under them a lot of times in November and especially December. It's not just Notre Dame. I said, if you want to make a decision early, that's cool, but you also need to shut it down all the way. And I, and I said, completely, none of the Florida kids want to hear that. Mm-hmm. And that's where Notre Dame is a little funky too. Cause you know, once you commit, you're not allowed to take official visits. You're not going to tell a Florida kid not to take official business. And, and it's even more reason why Notre Dame has to take that stance. Because yeah, you have to find out how committed are you to what yep. we're trying to do. If they want to take one of those kids uh, in, and again, I know these guys. Anyway. At least now, you, like with Keon, they 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 knew right away, okay, we've, we've put the ultimatum down and he's still taking visits. The reality is we're going to lose him anyway. Yep. So, you know, we – I remember we got, that whole old deal right, and talking right. to him like the day of and all that. Yeah. Right. 
I told Bredell and those guys, I said, if you're going to take visits to Northern schools, do it in October. Right. Do it to like a, you know, Ohio state or Michigan, Michigan state or whatever. Like right. Bredell likes Notre Dame and Michigan a lot. Right. Visit later. So right. we'll see what they do. Again, it's not ignoring Florida. It's just, you got to be smart. Very selective. And again, I live here. Right. I know these kids personally. Brian, the Carolinas has been built up so much now that you're going to have a lot well, of North Carolina needs to be there. their new hub. Texas is, is a different animal now and, and recruit there. There's and, and Chicago's on the uptick. I mean, you can literally get and you're going to have two years in a row that if you can land Taylor Taylor, that you're going to get a legit top 50 borderline five star receiver from an hour and a half away. That just That's- doesn't happen at Notre Dame very often. And well, both very good students. That's the other thing is Taylor Taylor's not like some of the kids. Because that's the other problem is where you do get elite athletes, Indianapolis and Fort Wayne, Brian, unfortunately, are just you can't always guarantee that they're going to be able to get into Notre Dame. Mediocre just, academically. Athleticism is yeah. there. And, and I've recruited both of those areas. You know this when I was at Defiance. You've you've been you you're oh. from, you're an Indiana native. It's it's unfortunate, but true. The schools that are tend to be better academic schools just don't they produce more guys that I'd be recruiting at Defiance and Manchester and Rose Holmans and and, and yeah. Indiana State and the Valpos as opposed to being the Notre Dame type of kid. You just it's just the this just look, this is just the way it's gone, right? Two best kids in Fort Wayne this year, Bronte Johnson and Mylon Graham. Notre Dame's offered both of them. The odds of getting either one of them into school is not great. I'm hoping they can still get Bronte, but it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Mylon, no chance. That's and and so that's why you've got to go. But that's the thing that's different about Chicago is these kids are are not just great athletes, but they're. I mean, Cam Williams is a very good student. Taylor Taylor's a very good student. You, you, that's. I mean, Nathan Nathaniel Marshall, that's very good student. I mean, that's you've got to get those kids. You've got to get those kids. So that's something that helps too. Is because I don't need to go to Florida to get a, a, a Taylor Taylor type because I I got him in my backyard. I don't need to go to Florida to get a Cam Williams type. I got him in my backyard. I watched, for whatever reason, the Notre Dame-Michigan State game from 93 last night. Just had nothing I watched that last week. <laughs> and they're going through the lineups. And I know the players by jersey and stuff. But it dawned on me, they kind of going through. Their defensive front was three Illinois kids. And the Chicago, was Chicago kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just not realistic in the last 25 years. For whatever the reason, and I call it the Michael Jordan effect, most of the best athletes really wanted to go to play basketball. Sorry to inform those 6'2", 250-pound guys. They were not going to play in the NBA, but that that city for its population was nowhere near what it should have been in the last 20, and it killed Notre Dame. It hurt right. Michigan and Michigan State to a certain degree, too, because they've always relied on the city of Chicago, too. And I, I think it's one of the reasons that it helped Ohio State. It didn't impact their state at all. And they always just cherry pick Chicago every once in a while. So it, it would do Notre Dame good if they could count on a solid three players a year. Back to this question about Florida. If you can get three players a year, especially most of them early, which you probably would. Justin Scott's situation is is very unusual because he plays a unique unique position and he's, you know, he's massive. Not many guys are going to get recruited by Georgia from Chicago. Once right. every five years, there'll be a player. Once every three at the most. Or, Brian, if they do, because I think it's going to – I think you're going to see more kids get recruited by Georgia. The point is, if they do get on those kids, it's going to be later. Yeah, like they jumped well, on him really early. early. Right. Scott's again, Georgia values D-line probably as much, if not more, than any other school. 
specifically because they run a two-gap scheme. There's just only so many guys that can run it, and Scott can run any scheme. And then he also was a good student and all that. If you're going to take a chance on a kid, you want somebody that if he's coming to your area, he's going to adapt. Justin could play at UCLA. He could play at Miami. It wouldn't make any difference. Wherever, he'd be okay. So, but again, ideally, you would like to get three kids from the greater Illinois area. You know, if a kid's just across the border of Milwaukee or something, I guess you could count that. But they just haven't been able to do that. There's been years where Notre Dame signed like one kid from Illinois in the last 10 years. When Lou Holtz started, I mean, that was unthinkable. It was just a matter of when they were getting a kid from Illinois to commit, and it was probably going to be one of their first five commitments. And it was probably going to be a kid that had an offer from schools like Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State that had good players too. So it's just, it's amazing how much that city was up, then has been down for a while. And now, like you said, has started to go back on the rise. It's good for Notre Dame that it's back on the rise. You know, right. It is. uh, It's very good for Notre Dame. I'm looking at this, Brian, because you brought up that 93 game and and I'm and I'm talking we're talking about Florida and and where to recruit. And I I think that was a perfect example. I mean, what we're talking about is a perfect example, because, you know, when you look at that, when you look at that 93 team, look where a lot of the guys were from. Your offensive lineman was exclusively was like two from Pennsylvania, two from California and one from Washington. Right. National guys, no southern guys. You look at your running back. Your running back lead back was a North Carolina guy. You you know you look at Ray Zellers, Pittsburgh. You, but you were still able to to have a little bit of an influence from Florida because where's Kevin McDougal from? He's a Florida kid. Played right? at Lance Healy, right? Yep, so you're able, you're able to do that. And then um, I'm you know Clint Johnson was from Florida. He's another one. Yep. I am so so you're going to get some guys like that. But Lake Dawson, where where was Lake Dawson from? He's from Washington. Yeah. Right? I mean. You can go find those guys, which they just landed a kid from Washington at wide receiver. So, you know, and then you talk about the front seven, and not only on that, but also your starting middle linebacker on that team was a was a a, a Chicago guy and Pete Bursich. So you can find those guys. There's no doubt you can find those guys. Bobby Taylor, where's Bobby from Texas? He, was he from- is an East Texas guy. He is from right. all of you. Right. So uh, he was the number one player in his position. Period. Every school in the country offered Bobby. So that's kind of where, where you know, uh, Jeff Burris was from South Carolina. So the Carolinas, to me, are, are more important to Notre Dame to have to get into than is Florida. Doesn't mean you don't recruit Florida. And if I can get a Brito Richardson or an Anthony Carey, great. Do it. So you don't ignore it. You just can't put – you just can't assume you're going to have success there. And, and that's the thing is – until you win a title. And somebody made a comment down here. Mike Sullivan said this, Brian. He said, uh, Notre Dame is two natties away from recruiting Florida. Yeah, I mean, I, at least one. Yeah, I think at least one. To, to be able to make, is, maybe close the, yeah, yeah, to close the deal. But I think it's even beyond that. you got to start putting some kids into the first two rounds of the draft. And That's you need the reality to do it. it. Here, here's a little stat for people out there wondering about Florida. It was a 21 or 22 class. I was just goofing around looking at like 247's top 100 in Florida. This was asinine. Out of the top 25 kids, like 22 were defensive players. It's just we are the ultimate athlete, fine ball, kill ball state. If you want somebody that can run like a gazelle, how many do you want? Right. That's what we have. It's insane. So Notre Dame, sure, they need more of them, but they also need them to be with 3.2 GPAs and up. 
That's or the, at least, yeah. or at least, well, they can get guys with lower GPAs, but they have to. The, the problem is, Brian, is they have to be kids that value that. Yeah, you can't and, just be given it. And a lot of the schools yeah. in this state, I know flat out. Keon's a three four GPA, three four plus. And he did GPA. it at Berkeley Prep. Correct. Which is an elite. The difference is, and this like I was doing a, I was speaking at a, a thing a few weeks ago. It was a Newt Rockney function, and the guy was they're talking about NIL and. You know, it's Pete Sampson. I were on the panel, and Pete Byrne from uh, who's from one of the TV channels, and you know, people. Oh, you know, nil. You lost Keon Keeley because nil. And I, I said to him, look, look, Notre Dame didn't lose Keon Keeley because nil. If nil was the only reason Keon Keeley was he, I still think Keon ends up ultimately going to Notre Dame. I, I do. Ke- they lost Keon Keeley, in my opinion, primarily, and from talking to various sources, because it was a combination of factors, but it really centered around the fact of Keon wants to be a top ten. NFL draft pick as an edge player, and one school has not produced a first-round defensive end since 1998, and the other one produces first and second-round picks every year. That's the difference, right? And and so if you're Keon Keeley, and, and you know I'm my chosen major for what I want to do vocationally is football, right? If Keon Keeley wanted to be a business major and he chose Alabama over Notre Dame, that's a poor decision. If that's your desired profession, that's a poor decision. If your goal is to be a top 10 NFL draft pick as a defensive end, with all due respect to Notre Dame, they are the Notre Dame business school of football. And we have to come Ooh. to grips of that as fans. And, and not just the boogeyman of NILs, the, the excuse we use for use for every kid that they don't get. And sometimes it's very so valid. Old. But in my opinion, if NIL was the only thing that Notre Dame had different than Alabama, I think Keon's at Notre Dame. I truly believe that. I'm not saying yeah. NIL wasn't a factor, but Notre Dame could have been able to swat NIL eventually if they could show him, hey, we're on the same pace with Bama in every other way. I think they would eventually won that battle because Keon's not your typical short-sighted, I only care about getting this upfront dough now. I don't think he cared about it as much as maybe some others around him did. And that's the, that's the thing. So to Mike's point, there's a level of success Notre Dame has to achieve on the field before they're going to be able to go down to Florida and consistently recruit that state. Doesn't mean they ignore it, but that's what, that's just the reality of it. It's just the reality of it. Yeah. You cherry pick Florida. They're the icing. You know, they're the cherry on top or whatever. It can't be your priority. So um, good discussion there. This ties into one of the other questions I saw. I don't know what you had next, but the one about the the next area that's the sleeping giant. I'm curious to see what you say. The Carolinas is my second pick. We're going to get into that in a second, Brian. We did have a fun on that. We're going to stay in Florida just for the super chat question. Uh, this one right here is from Frank G. Frank says, uh, just got in. Thank you for the super chat, Frank, very, very much. He goes, speaking of Florida, how do we feel about Jamie French in terms of the recruitment and the talent? I'll say this about the talent. The talent's very good. Very good. Um, <laughs> There's no problems down here. In that none. <laughs> none. Brian, I'll let you speak to the recruitment because I think you and I both, we both see this the same way. He's exactly what we were just talking about, in my opinion. Jamie's a kid that I've known since he was 14, and I remember walking up, and I didn't know who he was. Saw him on a field, and I saw him catch a few passes, and the way he moved, he's the bigger kid, he's the faster kid, he's the twitchier kid, he's got the better hands across the board, and I'm like, who the hell is that? And I thought he's like a junior or something. He said, oh, he's going to be in ninth grade. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> he's So the talent we all knew 
and I know one of his trainers real well. He visited Notre Dame. He likes Notre Dame. But it's going to be really hard to beat out local schools. Mm-hmm. Single mom deal. Um, I could see him at Georgia, Florida, Florida State. I know that one of his his buddy discommitted to Florida State, the quarterback. Uh, that's you know that's that's tough. If I had to guess, he'll go to Florida State. They had a much better chance of getting John Mitchell from his high school than Jamie French, and John Mitchell just picked Penn State. The so, that one was very disappointing. Yeah, that was very disappointing. Yeah. So again, work to be done in the state of Florida. I mean, yeah. you could still win that, but you need something to go really right, like Brian mentioned earlier, with this season at wide. Like somebody has to go out and be a dude. Or need, you need or, to have a reason. Or like four dudes catch a ton oh, of. Oh yeah, if you right? catch if I mean, four different guys catch four point, five Brian, passes, something has to step stand out. Yeah, right? yeah, because here's the thing: Notre Dame doesn't have to do it a lot. I, I truly believe, Brian, if they just go out and play for a title this year or win a title this year, it, it, I've said, look, I, I'll say this. Notre Dame winning a title is like anyone else winning two. And that's just the reality of it. It, it just is because it, this is an area where the perception of Notre Dame helps them if they win. Because we hear all the time how hard it is to win at Notre Dame. It's so hard to win at Notre Dame. So if you're able to win one, it's almost like, wow. Holy moly. Like, you know what I mean? And so it opens up doors. It's not a coincidence that Notre Dame signed one of the best recruiting classes in history a year after they win a national championship and, 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 or after they win a national championship and then go 12 and one and, you know, win the orange bowl and beat the number one team. And I think they beat over the course of two years, like 13 ranked teams, 88 and 89. And all of a sudden, guess what? They're going all over the country, all over the country to land one of the greatest recruiting classes ever. You got like literally three Hall of Famers in that one high college Hall of Famer and Aaron Taylor, who I think would have been an NFL Hall of Famer if not for the injuries. Yep. Because he was off to a great start with the Packers. And then two other Hall of Famers and Bryant Young and Jerome Bettis in one class. I mean, and that's just, I mean, Brian, that's just like part of it. Let, let me go through it. And, and you and I have had some fun with this before. We've they talked had about five this number before. one picks out of that 90. Class. Let, let me, let me tell you who. So that, that would be, let's see here. That would be the, uh, uh, the so this is who was in that class, okay? Pete Bursich, NFL. I'm just going alphabetical order. Pete Bursich drafted NFL. Jerome Bettis, Hall of Famer. Uh, Jeff Burris, first round draft pick. Tom Carter, first round draft pick. Willie Clark, I think he played in the NFL, correct? He played for the Chargers. He played corner yep. after playing yep. running back his senior year at Notre Dame. Yep. John Covington that played in the NFL. Lake in Florida. Yep. Uh, Lake Dawson drafted, played in the NFL. Jim Flanagan. Drafted, played in the NFL. Uh, Oliver Gibson played in the NFL. Steelers. These are all – Brian Hamilton was a starter on that 93 team. Uh, was a, I don't think he was drafted, but he was a, a very – Clint Johnson was on yep. that, in that 1990 class. Uh, Greg Lane, who in other years would have played even more. He played for Notre Dame, would have played even more if, he, if it wasn't so loaded. Uh, Dean Little, who – Notre Dame players from that era will tell you was the best athlete in that class. He just injuries and out of position. Exactly. Like but that, yeah. a freaky athlete, Brian, 6'3", 220, just an insane – that played running back. Uh, just an insane athlete. Uh, Oscar McBride, NFL player, undrafted Brothers. but NFL player from, from Florida. Kevin McDougal was in that class. Uh, Mike McGlynn was in that class. He, I think he started at Notre Dame at times. Uh, Anthony Peterson – was in that class. Uh, Tim Ruddy was in that class. High draft, second round draft pick, played a long time in the NFL. Lashane Sadler 
was in that class. Uh, Aaron Taylor, Hall of Famer, was in that college football Hall of Famer, was in that class. And Bryant Young was in that class. That was Notre Dame's 1990 class. And it's not, you remember this, Brian? The old BGI from back in the day? Yep, I had that. Yes, sir. Um, so uh, that class doesn't happen if Notre Dame is not the the Clemson to, to Miami, like Clemson was to Alabama, they were to Miami. Back then, I've made this 100%. from 1987 to 1992. I think it was 87, 88, 89, 90, 91. From 87 to 91, Miami won three titles. The two years they did not win a title, I believe they finished second. And in both years, they lost to Notre Dame. So, Miami was a machine. Notre Dame and Miami back then were Alabama and Clemson from 2015 to 2020, basically, is what they were. And why? Because they had that on-field success, which then led to the elite recruiting next, right? And so that's what's needed in those areas. And that's what's needed everywhere, but it's especially needed in Georgia and Florida. Because here's, let's be honest, if you're an elite player in Georgia, why would you not go to Georgia if they wanted you? If you're, especially if you're a defensive, I mean, I can understand if you're a receiver or an offensive lineman or tight end, I get that. If you're a uh, linebacker or something? Well. Yeah, D-lineman, like DB, like why? why would you not go there? right now and forget nil it's just i want to be an nfl player and win a, win a championship so why would i not go there the head coach at the bucks his son just signed with georgia he's a linebacker he had an offer from every freaking school in right. the country. Wolves. we'll go to that question you were mentioning earlier this is from joe medina he says what's an area of the country that both of you respectively see as a sleeping giant when it comes to recruiting well, we, Brian, you, you kind of mentioned it. It's, it's, it's the East coast. It's like the mid Atlantic region mm -hmm. to me. It's not one state. I like what he said. It's an area of the country, not a state. Cause sometimes we focus yeah. too much on states. It's more about a region. And to me, if Notre Dame is going to be a juggernaut again, they're going to have to recruit Texas effectively. Now they're, they're not often going to get like three, four kids a year from Texas, but just get one or two a year, get one or two kids from California, West coast a year. If you can steal a kid or two from Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, right? That that trio of schools, and they got one. They got a kid from Louisiana last year, and then you know you've got to do you got to crush St. Louis and Chicago, and then from New Jersey on down to South Carolina, really North Carolina. But if you can find a kid from South Carolina, great. But North Carolina, really to me, from Jersey, so that's Jersey, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, North Carolina, have to be states where Notre Dame starts having a greater impact. Have to. Have to. The only other state that I would add to this, and this is my, if you're going to pick one state, and it's because its population has exploded with the tax rate and all that in California, is Arizona. That state's yep. talent is just by accident has went through the roof. Because you're, you're actually getting some people from Texas as well going to Arizona. 100%. Because there's, I mean, not that Texas is a state that people don't live in, but if you're in West Texas and there's certain job opportunities that may not be in West go. Texas that are available in Arizona. Gotta We've go. talked about Arizona on this show as well. I put them in that West Coast category, Brian. So it's like Arizona, yep. Cali, Oregon, Washington. Got to get a couple kids out of that a year, in my opinion. It used to just be Cali. Now it's like I don't care if it's Cali or not. You know, Benjamin, Benjamin Morrison, Morrison 20 years ago is from <laughs> California, Probably. right? I mean, that's just the reality of it. That city so, of Phoenix, they've had kids every year for the last 25 years that Notre Dame's at least attempted to get. They've had very little success. But maybe Morrison. I mean, Morrison's going to be a first-round pick right. after the 2024 season. Um, totally Barring injury, yes. 
Yes. And that's only going to help you in L.A. all the way down to Phoenix. So I think they'll at least get visits every year. Uh, the, the defensive end, his name escapes me, but I know they're Elijah trying to, rushing. Yeah. Whoever that kid is every year, as long as he takes a visit to Notre Dame, no. I won't say that. So. Well, because you've you've gotten two kids from there recently, right? You got Tosh Baker in part of the 2020 class. You got Benjamin Morrison, Cole Luke I, back in the day. Cole Luke in the 2013 class was a very good player at Notre Dame, and I think that they're in a great position for a kid in this year's class, Kennedy Erlacher, who I oh I forgot all about very him. high on Kennedy Erlacher. Forgot about him. Yeah, so it's a it, there's a receiver from in 2025 that they've recruited that they've offered that I like a lot the Cooper Perry, Cooper Perry kid uh, who's a who's from a private school out there. That's the other thing too is there's some really good schools out in that area too. Brophy Prep is a, is a great school. Great there's a lot school. of Catholic money in Phoenix. Yeah. Brophy being one. There's some others. Notre Dame. There's the different schools that fit that. So it's a little easier for Notre Dame there than yeah. say where I live in Central Florida. Yeah. And so if you can, if, and here's the thing, there's no one area that Notre Dame is going to make their base where they're going to be able to build up their roster the way that, that the Southern schools can. I, I've talked about this. And, and the only school in the North that really has that advantage is Ohio State. It, Penn State to a degree, because Pennsylvania's back on the, is, is, is rising. Pennsylvania, Jersey is rising again, which helps Penn State a lot. But to me, it's like I, I pointed this out, Brian. I think it was, I think it was like 75, 80%. I did a thing a couple of years ago where I was studying Clemson's roster. I think it was in the 2018 roster, maybe might have been 2016, but one of those really good Clemson teams. I think it was like 75 to 80, 85% of their roster was from either border states or states that border a border state. Of yeah, them. they recruit within 400 miles of where their campus is, and that's right. the end. And, and, they, and they can fill up the majority fun. of their roster with that. Notre Dame can't do that, they have to be a national program. But the reason that I've always said that Notre Dame can win, even though it's harder, never said it's not harder, is because they can recruit nationally, they just have to be smarter about it. And there are some things happening in the in this in the country that are helping Notre Dame. Chicago's back on the ascent. St. Louis is starting to produce oh, more and more of those type weird. of athletes. You know, where last year you got Benjamin uh, Christian Gray and and Jeremiah Love are Florida caliber athletes that you happen to get from private schools in St. Louis. You're going to do well there. You get Aeneas Williams from Missouri coming up. You, 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 the West Coast, Jason Robinsons, the Tobias Merriweathers, the Benjamin Morrisons from Arizona. There are places, and then last year in Texas, if you can make Texas a state where you can get a kid or two a year, you have to do it. You have to do it because oh, that's how they – and then, of course, the, the East Coast. you got the, One area where they're not having more success, that they need to have more success, is the Maryland, D.C. private school area. I was waiting for you to say that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get that. But If there's one centralized area where they have to do better, that's it. But just regionally, I put that area plus – Virginia, North Carolina, because look, they've gotten a couple kids from that area and most of them have been pretty good, right? I mean, DJ Brown's been a good rotation player, but Sam Mustafer was a multi-year starter and he's an NFL starter for the Bears, I think, for a couple years, right? He's from that area. Cam Hart, as long as he does, his injuries don't prove problematic when it comes to NFL teams looking at the medicals. He's, to me, at worst, a day two draft pick next year, the way he's progressing as a player. He's from one of those private schools. So, but that's the thing, Brian, is put a Cam Hart in the NFL and see what happens. You know, that's how you're going to have success. Let a Cam Hart be a three-year starter and a, and a second-round NFL draft pick. And all of a sudden, you're like, hey, look, you know, you can come here and do that well. 
because you're losing to Bama, you're losing to Ohio State, you're losing to Michigan, you're losing to Penn State. You got to start winning some of those battles, man. And that's a bit because you're you're that's where you're seeing like legitimate top fifty players coming out of, and that's an area you should be having more success with. And they're just they're just not. Here's the other thing: out of all the areas that we've talked about today, almost every one of those states that that city or region is in, other than Arizona has a dominant in-state team. Even North Carolina, from a perception standpoint, is a pain in the butt to recruit against in Charlotte and stuff. For some of those kids, it's a big deal to be at Tar Heel. Maryland ain't very good at football. They're just not. Penn State is more state U there, which is goofy, than anybody else. And Virginia Tech is down. Virginia's not good. Notre Dame needs minimum two or three kids a year to take official visits. They covet from the state of Maryland. Now, that might happen this year. we're waiting to see. There's a certain D lineman that's about six, six and a half or whatever that I'd love Notre Dame to oh. get. But they, they've got everything. Though. There's and they've made a bunch of trips there. They've had Freeman's been down there. Golden's been down there. They've been down there. They just got to get some of those kids. Because to your point, this is why that region as a whole is important, Brian. Jersey, no powerful in-state well, school. Maryland, can. D.C., no powerful in-state school. Virginia, no powerful in-state school. And North Carolina, no powerful in-state school. Now, there's good in-state schools in North Carolina. Don't get me wrong, but let's be real. If it, Right now, if a kid wants to be an NFL player and Notre Dame's really on him and recruiting him right, Notre Dame's the better sell for him. than Whereas in Georgia, they've got Georgia to worry about and Alabama to worry about. And, you know, where in the Carolinas, it's, it's not that. It's Clemson's the closest one, and they're a state down. Right. And so and so you're you're competing with Clemson there, but there's no in-state power. And even when Virginia Tech was rolling, if Notre Dame really wanted a kid from Virginia, they got him over Virginia Tech. I mean, they they went and got, you know, they could have got Thomas Jones, but they blew it. Right. They got Julius. They got Chris Tyree. They got CJ. If they wanted a kid from Virginia, they can get him more often than not, even when Virginia Tech was good, because Virginia Tech at their peak is still not Notre Dame. As a from a prestige standpoint, they're still a regional not. school, and that's another reason to your point, Brian, why it's important that they have success in that state because Arizona is that way. With all due respect to Arizona and Arizona State, they're never going to be Texas, they're never going to be USC, they're never going to be Notre Dame, they're, they're just not. So, you should be able to have a little bit more success from there. And uh, it's important to go to those states, and that's a reason why I mean, look, his film's really good, but I just think another reason I really want Kennedy Erlacher. I don't give a rip what his last name is. It's the film is impressive, and he's from Arizona. I just want another Arizona kid on the roster because you know this, Brian. The more kids you have from that region, when other kids visit, they look at that big time. Yeah, the Florida kids really do. That's yep. well, a lot of kids are that way. Texas kids are that way. I mean, there's a lot of kids that are that way sure. because here's the thing: this is this has always been true. I don't care how much the world has been opened up by technology, we're still by nature tribal as people. You're going to relate to people that that have something in common with you. And we have a lot of factors as a country that we point to that. But tribalism ultimately, at the end of the day, primarily comes down to region where you're from. And you're just going to be because you have more in common with people from your region than you are from people across the country that may be the same skin color as you or same ethnic background or whatever, whatever the case may be. You're still going to have more in common with people that are from where you're from. You're going to share more cultural values. Uh, more history, more different things that you can relate to, more food likes. Like I, when I was at Methodist my freshman year, we had a ton of kids from Florida from there. They all listen to the same music. They all talk about the same, man, I wish we had a Publix or whatever here. You know, I'm like, dude, a grocery store is a grocery store. But to them, it's like Publix is just, that's home. It's just, you Not can here. relate to that, <laughs> yeah. right? And so 
that's the thing is, is the more kids that are, that are, that you, that are from where you're from, the more comfortable you're going to be. And so, yes, you give me more kids from that region and I'm going to feel a lot better about it. So Arizona is another one, Ryan, but that Brian, I put them in that West coast. Sure. That West coast thing is, is where I, is where I see them kind of from. So I definitely regions that I think Notre Dame needs to, needs to have a lot of success. Let's get to some more questions here, Brian. We have um, Connor Nepper. Thank you, Connor. Says, go Irish. Who are some of the other top recruits that CJ will try and recruit to Notre Dame? Well, I mean, you're already seeing it. The guys we broke down today are guys that CJ has been going after. I mean, you know, Jason Robinson, you see him and Jason Robinson had a, having a lot of uh, online conversations now. Him and Jaden Riddell have been uh, teammates at the, at, on that uh, the seven-on-seven team. But CJ was very instrumental in getting Cam Williams. I mean, if – look, I'll, I'll – I'll, I'll say this, if C.J. Williams is not – or C.J. Carr is not leaning to Notre Dame and, and doesn't commit to Notre Dame soon after Irish Invasion, I don't know if Cam Williams would have gone to Notre Dame. Uh, Jack Larson said this before. I, I commend Notre Dame because C.J. was there. May I still think they would have eventually got Jack Larson, but I think having C.J. made it easier. It made it easier to get Cam Williams. Maybe they still get Cam Williams, but it just made it easier. That's why quarterback recruiting is so vital. Yeah, it is. It is. So uh, my my last one is Gearby Lambert. That's I mean he's he's done some stuff with Gearby. That's the last guy that I I, I want to see. I was going to ask you yeah. about the guy. If you're if you're a quarterback, that left tackle yeah. spots are rather oh, personal. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> For me, it'd be number one, but that's just oh yeah. My perspective. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> Michael Johnson asks, who is the last South Bend area high school football player to have a big contribution on the Notre Dame football team since Anthony Johnson? It'd be Braxton Cave from Mishawaka. South Bend area is South Bend, Mishawaka, Granger. Uh, Paul Mawala was a very impactful special teams guy when he was healthy, but the last guy that was like a starter that I can remember that was a starter and impact player was Braxton mm-hmm. on the offensive line. I'm trying. I don't. I can't think of anybody else that was a South Bend area guy. We've had Fort Wayne, you know, Jalen, Drew Tranquil, guys like that, but. That's South Ben, I'd, I'd say um, Braxton Cave, right? Yeah, that, Who? that's it. Yeah. That area yeah. just does not produce a lot of players or grades. It Mm-mm. just does not. No, like David Perkins came into their name. There was no way they're getting David Perkins in the school. No way. No way. That was a waste of a recruitment, in my opinion. So, yeah, it uh, it just doesn't produce a lot of – there's been a couple basketball players come along, D- oh, Demetrius yeah. Jackson and then obviously Marcus Burton, who's committed to them in the – the 24 class who's from Penn, which is the school district that I live in basketball. There's been some guys, but football, they're just, it's just, it's not a great football area. And like the, the, you know, the, the preeminent program in the area is Penn. And they, I mean, they just don't produce a lot of college football players period. There's a really good high school program that when they get too, too deep into the tournament, they get whooped because you don't have the same, the same kind of talent that they have at some other places. So facts. All right, Archer four five two asks. Uh, offense currently has six commitments: one quarterback, one running back, two receivers, two OLs, and there's a tight end uh, in there. So Jack Larson's not a receiver. It's uh, one quarterback, one running back, one receiver, one tight end, two offensive linemen. What numbers will they finish with in each position group? We kind of brought, talk, talked about this earlier, Brian. I'm, I'm thinking minimum nine. I think they'd like to have at least one quarterback, at least one running back, three receivers, three offensive linemen, and then I think you're going to add one or two more guys, maybe a tight end, a running. So so if you give me one quarterback, one running back, three receivers, one tight end, three offensive linemen, that gives you nine. I think they might add one to two more, either a second running back, a second tight end, or a fourth offensive lineman. I could see a scenario where they had a fourth receiver, but it'd have to be a dude down the road. 
And I think, I think, I think if they get three, they're going to say, okay, let's really focus on 25. Let's go. Now let's focus our attention on getting Taylor and Taylor and getting some of those 2025 guys that they like a lot. I think is where you're going to see them shift their focus at that point in time. So good question. Good question. Here's an interesting one, Brian, for also from Archer 452. He said five of the current top 10 2024 recruiting classes on the 24-7 composite are schools north of the Mason-Dixon line. How many titles in the next decade will be from schools not in the SEC and ACC? That is a very interesting question because I believe the five are Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and I'm not sure who the fifth one would be. Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Okay. Because they start off pretty hot. That's my yeah. Guess. Well, and that's the thing overall with this is is you're going to see a couple of those probably drop out. But I will say this: I I do think what you're seeing in the last three years is there the north the north is starting to produce a few more schools that are knocking on the door. There's just some things missing, whether it's quarterback, whether it's line play, whether it's coaching. Penn State to me is a program that if they had a better head coach as a coach would be a much more dangerous team because he can recruit now. I mean, they can recruit like crazy. I don't trust him on game day. Agree. Michigan is, is, is starting to knock on that door a little bit and they're finally taking advantage of their success on the field in the recruiting now, which they hadn't done their first year because of the whole whole fiasco that Jim Harbaugh had with the NFL and stuff, Ohio state's Ohio state. And then of course, Notre Dame. So the, the reality too is that, Brian, and I saved this point to now. I, I know this is hard for Notre Dame fans because we hate Ohio State and we hate Michigan. Brian, you and I both grew up in the Midwest. I grew up as a kid in Ohio. You grew up in Indiana. You grew up kind of, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I, I hate Michigan. I hate Ohio State. I hate Penn State. And that's true. But the fact of the matter is Notre Dame has to, number one, become the best school in the Midwest before they can be the best school in the country. The, second, the second part of that is, though, what, what what I don't think people understand is it's good for Notre Dame when Michigan beats an SEC team. It's good oh, for Notre 100%. Dame when Penn State beats an SEC team, when Ohio State beats an SEC team, because even if it's not Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's had their fair share of wins over SEC schools as well, it's just not Georgia and Alabama, when kids see the North and as a whole as a greater option, then the kids who may be prone to Notre Dame are going to be more likely to give Notre Dame an even harder look because of the fact that, hey, I can go up north and, and win a championship and be a, f- a high draft pick. And it's not only at Ohio State. And so, yes, it sucks to lose John Mitchell to Penn State. It does. But I'd rather him go to Penn State than Florida or Miami Couldn't or Florida State. I'd rather a kid like Damon Wilson go to Ohio State than Georgia. I, I would have because maybe this doesn't affect Notre Dame in this particular recruitment, but the more kids that come up to Notre Dame and Penn State and Michigan and Georgia, I mean, uh, Michigan State and schools like that, Michigan, and have success, the greater that it opens you up all the, the whole region to northern schools. That's the reality of it. So to your point, Archer, I don't know the answer to your question because to me is they those schools have to show they can win those games before I start talking about national titles. And I'm including Ohio State in that in that conversation as well because Ohio State hasn't proven they can beat those teams since 2014 either. And everybody that was associated with that 2014 Ohio State team is gone. Players, coaches, everybody. I think Mickey Marotti and Larry Johnson are like the only two coaches left from that staff, I believe. Uh, so I got to see him win it first before I go there. 
but I'll say this, there's a lot more Northern schools knocking on the door right now than there was five years ago. Five years ago is Ohio State and Notre Dame, and that was it. That was it. Penn State was a mess. Michigan was just okay. They were a good Northern school like they were for decades. Wisconsin's a good Northern school that can maybe beat some SEC teams in bowl games, but isn't a real legitimate title contender. And that was it. You know, now it's you're seeing more Northern schools that are starting to close the gap. Now, Notre Dame needs to be careful, Brian, because if they don't have success these next couple of years, they could find themselves like right now. I think Notre Dame is number two. If you look at the last five years, they're number two behind Ohio State, but Michigan is nipping on their heels. And some would argue Michigan should be ahead of them. It's a different conversation for a different day, which is accurate. If you're only going to look at the last two years, then yeah, Michigan yeah, deserves yeah, to be sure. ahead of them last two years. There's no question. I like to look at it four to five year options, right? They're knocking on the door. At the end of the day, until they actually win those games in the big moments, I, I can't project titles to the North. Look, now here's what's changed. Last year, two Big Ten schools made this playoffs and both lost in the first round. They lost by six and one. That's a far cry from what had been happening, you know, where Michigan gets blown out the year before, Notre Dame gets blown out, Ohio State got blown out by Clemson in 2016. Yeah, they beat, they lost to Clemson in a close game in 2019. They beat Clemson in 2020, and they get destroyed by Alabama in the championship game. Most of those games haven't been competitive. Last year, they were at least more competitive, but I need to see them start to win those games, Brian, before I can start to say, hey, okay, you're going to see a Northern team win the title in the next few years. They got to prove it first. That's where I'm, I'm at this point. But I will say this. Where they are as a whole is better. Because, again, in 2015 to 18, 19, is if Ohio State and Notre Dame didn't win it, none of them were going to have a shot. And in most years, Notre Dame had to have everything go right to win it. Ohio State had just the better talent. The 15 team is the only one that I thought could go athlete for athlete with anybody. They just couldn't coach their way out of a wet paper bag on defense. Right? It's a little different now. But and when I say proven, I'm not. I don't care that you beat Auburn, who stunk. I don't care that you won that game. I don't care that Notre Dame beat Vanderbilt and South Carolina and beat LSU in years where LSU wasn't great. They were good LSU teams, but not great LSU teams. Those are good wins, but those aren't the needle movers. You got to start winning the big ones. You got to start getting playoff wins. You got to start getting Sugar Bowl wins and Orange Bowl wins and Cotton Bowl wins over those teams. That's where they need to get to. And so far, they haven't really done that. And until they do that, and that includes Ohio State. I mean, it includes all of them. So they're beating Clemson, right? Ohio State's got a win over Clemson. Notre Dame's got two wins over Clemson. But I'm talking about the Georgia and the Alabamas is what we're talking about here. Because that's that's the stumbling block. Look, LSU's not that stumbling block for teams. Not yet, anyway. I mean, maybe they will under Kelly. They're not, though. They had that one great year, and that was it. The stumbling block is not Texas A&M, it's not Florida, it's not Tennessee, it's Georgia and Alabama. That's the stumbling block, and that's who teams are shooting for. And until Northern teams start winning those games, they're closing the gap, but they're just not there yet, in my opinion. They're just not. Agreed. So I know it sucks, Brian, to sit there and say you need to root for those teams to win over SEC schools because we hate those teams. But it's just kind of like, but that it's better for Notre Dame than the opposite, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not rooting for Georgia, I can assure you. Yeah. yeah. It's not that I dis, I respect the heck out of what Georgia's done. It's just like, it's kind of like this. Like, this, I don't like Josh Pate had this conversation on, on his 247. He's like, you know, the, the uh, college football doesn't need some programs to be good. And I'm like, I disagree because a healthy college football is a college football that, 
like I'm not a believer in parity the way the NFL does it. The way the NFL uh, does it is they bring everybody down. I'm a believer in parity the way that you and I had parity when we were growing up, Brian, which is it what Notre Dame and Miami were the programs, but you you still had to worry about Florida State was big time, Michigan was big time. I mean, there was still a lot of real Penn State was a big time program. You know, you you yes, Miami was great, but they lost to Notre Dame a couple of times. They lost to Penn State in a title game. They lost to Nebraska one year. You know what I mean? Like there was still dominant programs in every part of the country. Right now, it's centralized in the southeast, and it's really centralized between three teams. Ohio State's kind of getting there, you know, on the field, but they're they're doing it in the draft, but not doing it on the field as much in recent years. I, I'm a believer that it's good for college football if Florida State's good again. It's good for Notre Dame if Florida State's good again. It's good for college football if Miami is good again, and it's good for Notre Dame. And the reason I say that is, Brian, is because Notre Dame's not going to lose a ton of kids to Florida State. But you know who is? Georgia. Bam. Oh, they recruit the exact Clemson. same kids. That's the point. We need more balance in recruiting right exactly. here in the Georgia, Florida, Alabama. Exactly. Area. 100%. So when LSU recruits well, that's good for Notre Dame. When Florida State recruits well, that's good for Notre Dame. When Florida and Miami are recruiting well, that's good for Notre Dame because they're going to then bring Bama down. And that's the kind of parity I like where teams are coming down because other teams are beating them as opposed to let's set a salary cap or let's create a draft system where if you win, you get lower picks and all this other kind of stuff. That's the way it was when we were growing up is even though Notre Dame and Miami first stretch were the best teams, but Bama jumps up one year and smacks Miami in the mouth. And then, you know, then, then Bama goes out and gets beat by Michigan in one of the greatest bowl games ever in 2000. And, you know, Florida wins a title one year, but then Nebraska absolutely annihilates them in another year. To me, that's good for college football. USC emerges as a powerhouse. Again, it's good for Notre Dame if USC is really good because USC will steal some kids from Florida and Georgia and places like that from those schools. And so uh, if they actually decide to recruit high school kids again. But that's that's the thing for me is the more top-level teams there are in the Southeast, the better it is for Notre Dame because they will take some of those kids from them, especially if a couple of the ACC schools like Florida State and and Miami can get good. I think that's very important for college football to have that happen. The state of Florida was such garbage the last few years, and it might be garbage again this year. Florida State would be pretty good, but Miami's iffy. They do have a quarterback. Florida's going to be a dumpster fire, so Mm -hmm. they're not going to win six games. So it's not good for Notre Dame because that means a lot of kids are going to leave the state again. Yeah. Yep. They, uh, Florida State's starting to get there, though. I will say that. They're starting to win some of those battles. If they can have another 10-plus win season this year, Brian, I think Florida State's recruiting is going to take off. I really do. They still got to figure out NIL. They got to be more competitive in the NFL NIL yes. universe. But they'll, they'll get a couple kids if they can start winning. They will. Because there's kids – I mean, there's still Florida State fans down there. There's still Florida State pockets. But right now, it's like, if I want to be an NFL player, if I want to compete for a championship, I can't go to Florida State right now. Where if they start winning, then they will. Yep. Coleman Smith asked a question, Ryan, uh, Brian, I got to get, I got to change names uh, with too many Ryans and Brian's and Sean's and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, is Bredell Richardson's game similar to Lorenzo Styles? Never seen his film. I would say no. His body type is similar to Lorenzo. Bredell. I think his game is, is different. Bredell is as good a 50-50 ball guy as there is in the country. And he is the most crafty. He's more like uh, Chris Carter. Yeah. I'm not saying he's Chris Carter, to be very clear. That's his style. So um, 
He's faster than he looks, but he doesn't have a fluid running motion. He's not a pretty player in that regard, but he gets behind the guy and he'll make the ridiculous one-handed catch tiptoeing in the back of the end zone. He's got elite hands. And that's not Lorenzo's game. And and I would say Brito's not a burner. Nope. Where Lorenzo's game is more about his speed. That's why I've said, if you take Brito Richardson's size out of the conversation, you're thinking he's a boundary guy. I mean, he plays more like a boundary receiver than he does a field receiver in high school, at least. And, and he's, and like you said, the contested ball stuff, but he's like six, one, he's listed. How big is he really, Brian? He's listed like six, one, one eighty, one eighty five. How is he bigger? Is he bigger than that? Yes. He's, okay. he's closer to six, two and okay. he's one ninety. Okay. Maybe a little so older. his size is getting there, but he's never going to be a big guy, but he plays like, I said this, Brian, he plays like a much bigger receiver than he is. His ball skills are nasty. Yeah. And his body control is very good. He knows how to manipulate defenders to get the ball, you know, catch the ball where he wants to get it to. Uh, he's a he's a really he's a really good player, in my opinion. Timeout Tom says, "Is Onye's success this spring a result of his improvement or poor guard center play?" Oh boy! Therefore, should Indy be concerned about lugs? I mean, guys, <laughs> look in spring, somebody has to lose every rep. Exactly. <laughs> it's just the way it is. It's about his improvement. That's what it's about. I mean, this is a kid that we said was a – I Brian and I had on the show talked about this. Onye was super raw but had loads of potential. He's 6'4 plus, super long arms. At, he went to Bishop Hendrickon as a basketball player. That's he so kinda, funny it, about Yes, it, right? and he became a football – I think his first year playing football was like his sophomore mm-hmm. year. As a junior, he has like 17 sacks in a shortened season. They win a championship. Shortened season for them, shortened right. compared to like – a state title winner in Rhode Island is not playing 15 games like a state title winner in California or Florida is what I ref- was what I mean by that. And then his senior year gets wiped out because of COVID. Right. He's a raw kid with lots of talent. That's what he is. And the talent is starting to come to play. What we said when they signed him that hopefully by year three, you start to see it. And that's what we're starting to see. That's uh, the common trajectory of linemen too. It takes right. longer, especially when you're, what was he, 265-ish? He's 292 I mean, yeah. he was listed at 240 when they when he committed to him. And yeah. he's like 292 now. And that was my question, Brian, when I wanted to see him this spring in person was, okay, he's put the weight on, but can he keep that weight and still be athletic? That's a bigger question. But he's right. done that. Right. He's done that. I mean, he's done that so far. He's shown quickness and explosiveness. So, no, I'm, I'm not yeah. worried about the replacement for Josh Lug. They're going to be fine up the middle. The offense is winning their fair share of battles as well. It's okay to just assume a positive, right? And now what we don't know is if this is going to carry over. We've seen spring breakouts that never translate to the fall. We've seen that before. So that's sure. – he's still got to show it on Saturdays. But, I mean, look, one of the guys he's battling with is Andrew Kristoffic, and he started nine football games. You know, Andrew Kristoffic was a starting offensive lineman for a, a team that didn't lose a game with him as a starter until the bowl game, right? You know, by three points, Oklahoma State, a top-five team. So – we know what he can do. Is he a great player? No, but we know who he is. So if Jason Onye, and we know who Zeke Carell is, because Jason Onye is also making plays up the nose. Now, sometimes he is, the other thing too is a, there's a number of snaps where he's going against Notre Dame's number twos. That's also part of it. But no, I there, there's no reason to be concerned about Jason Onye's emergence. It's only excitement. If he can take this into the fall, it's a very good sign. It's a very good sign. Got a question here from uh, Irishman7114. He says, is Ryan Wingo not on the board anymore? He's on the board. It's just right now he's just he's not coming to Notre Dame. 
where we talked about him earlier, Irishman, is he's the kind of kid that perhaps a big offensive season could impact. I agree. Because right now he wants to be an NFL pick. NIL is a factor, but I think he's the kind of kid that would overlook some NIL stuff if he felt like, you look what Notre Dame's doing offensively, and I get to play with CJ Carr, sure, I'm going to look at them again. But right now, if, if, if you're him and you're looking at Tennessee and you're looking at Bama and you're looking at Oklahoma, you're looking at USC and schools like that, and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to compare their offense to Notre Dame's offense. Why in the world would you look at Notre Dame if you're a, a kid like him? There's no reason to. That, I think, is going to change when we get to the fall. So he'd be more of a kid that you would maybe get late because you stayed in it and you had a great season. But as of right now, that's just that's not that's not going to happen right now. They need they, something. They lost their right. Yeah, they – they had some momentum, and and I met him early. Before. Yeah, yeah. Like really early in his recruitment. He's a good kid. He could fit in at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's going to be an easy visit to even get, let alone get his signature on National Signing Day. Mm-hmm. So, and I see Tennessee is one of his prime schools. That gives me gives me nervous. At least somebody in his camp wants nil money, and that's not good for Notre Dame. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's get down to some more here. We've got a question from Archer452. Follow up on the Midwestern College Football. Look at QBs. Notre Dame has Hartman, Buckner, Menchie, Carr, Ohio State, McCord, Brown, Kineholtz, Nolan, Michigan, J.J. McCarthy, Jaden Davis, Penn State, Aller. Will this region have the best QB play for three to five years? I mean, it's again, it's, 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 it's hard to say that because we need to see it on the field. I mean, of this group of players, there's only one proven player in that group, and that's Sam Hartman. And we don't know what he's going to be in a Notre Dame uniform. Everything he's proven is at Wake Forest, right? I mean, J.J. McCarthy was a game manager last year. Can he can he go out and beat Georgia and Bama? That remains to be seen, as it is with all these guys. So do they have a shot, Brian? Yes, and that's sure. a big reason. But the other reason is, is this is where these schools are improving, especially Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Penn State, is the quarterback play is getting better, right? And Penn State needs Drew Aller to be legit because – Sean Clifford's a great game manager. He can get you 11 and 2 in the Big Ten, but you're not beating Georgia and teams like that with him. Yeah, you're, you but, need somebody that can be dynamic. But Penn State, Ohio State, Notre Dame, the reason that they're closing the gap is not because of the quarterback play. That's part of it. But those schools are recruiting better athletes, especially Penn State and, and Ohio State. Notre Dame is getting there. Uh, I think this team is going to be very athletic. Penn but, State's still recruiting has been Jahan yes. Johnson, some of those guys. I mean, yes. those guys can freaking float. Yes. Absolutely. So the athleticism is getting there. And, and cause like, here's the thing that, that I think is, is we're talking quarterbacks and that's important, but you know what else is, is, is true at Notre Dame, Ohio state, Michigan, and Penn state. They're all four loaded at running back for next year. It's amazing. It really is. Yeah. I mean, the, the running back depth charts and those are tradition rich schools. They should be good, sure. but they're all quote unquote up. So, I mean, they all have NFL running backs on their roster. That's impressive. I mean, like guys are ready, not, you know, two, three now. So Singleton, yep. holy crap, to have him and, you know, have other guys. Like he ran off guys that were four- and five-star players at Penn State. So yep. that, that's impressive. Yep. yep. So I, I think, to me, they could be in that conversation. But, like, look, Texas has recruited quarterback very well in recent years. Um Looking around, I mean, there's other Clemson has recruited quarterback well the last two years. They have uh Cade Klubnik and, and Chris Vizina, they've recruited them. I think if, if he sticks with football, I'm not a huge Ty Simpson fan, Brian. I don't, I, I don't know if what your thoughts are on Ty Simpson, 
But if Dylan Lonergan sticks with football and, and takes to coaching well, he's got tons of tools. He's, he's very got a role, very toolsy, um, very athletic kid. I just don't know. He may end up being a first round in a major, may pick in the major league baseball draft and may not even play football. Uh, LSU's recruiting a quarterback is. I mean, I you, you know my I, you know my saying. I love Ricky Collins. You know that they went out and got a grad transfer in Jaden Davis. And that's the other part of it too is we don't know what kids are going to move around. USC is going to have big time quarterback play in the future with him. Uh, you know what is Washington going to do with Kalen DeBoer? You know is he going to be able to recruit and and get some big time quarterbacks? So they're going to have a chance for for the North to have to me, really good quarterback play. And that's so important because if you look at some of these teams outside of Ohio State, I mean, Notre Dame's trying to beat these teams with Ian Book and Jack Cohn, right? Michigan's trying to beat these teams, you know, with with uh, who's the kid? Jake Rudock, right? Um, uh, Cade McNamara. J.J. McCarthy is not that guy yet, but he's got the talent to potentially be that guy. He's a very talented kid. We saw what he did at IMG. He's He's got a, he's got a ways to go, but you know, you're, you're trying to win with Shea Patterson, who I wasn't a big fan of, John O'Corn, Wilton Spate, Jake Rudock. You know, Penn State's out there with guys like, you know, Trace McSorley, who was a you know nice athletic kid, but you're not beating Georgia with Trace McSorley. You're not beating those teams with Sean Clifford, a quarterback. You're, you're just not going to do it. And so when you look at it is, yeah, these kids have a chance to raise the quarterback level. But at the end of the day, I don't care how good your quarterback is. When you go play Georgia, when you go play Bama, you better be darn good in the lines, and you better have some playmakers in the perimeter on both sides of the ball. That's a fact. And so what hurt – I'll say this, Brian. If the 2019 Ohio State team would have played the 2022 Georgia team, they'd have smacked Georgia. Why? Because back then Ohio State had an elite defense because they had linemen and legit NFL players in the secondary. That's been the thing that's killed Ohio State more than anything the last couple of years is they, yeah, not they are not that team on defense anymore. I mean, the, the Ohio State team, the Notre Dame played in 15, had like five NFL first or second or third round draft picks in that secondary. And their defensive end was like Joey Bosa and Adolphus Washington and like I mean, all these type NFL type, Sam Hubbard. NFL type of guys, that's where Ohio State's taking a step back. Their, their linebacking core in 15 was ridiculous. <clears throat> you look at they had Raquan McMillan working in at Mike with Curtis Grant, two five-star kids. You had Josh Perry, who was a third-round pick. You had Darren Lee, who was a first-round pick. They were legit deep NFL on all three levels. What's killed Ohio State is they, they're not producing the secondary players and the elite skill players on defense. That's the thing is, is – I don't care how good they are at Ohio State. There's not a team in the country, in my opinion, last year had a better quarterback receiver group than Ohio State did. Oh, not a one. But what happened? They still lost to Michigan because they got their butts kicked in the trenches, and they still lost to Georgia because at the end of the day, no matter how bad Georgia might have played in that game, when they needed stops, Georgia could make them, and Ohio State couldn't. That's the difference. Yeah, that, that 2019 team. Ohio State team with the secondary that they had, I'm sorry, with Justin Fields and, and J.K. Dobbins and the receivers, they, have, they beat 2022 Georgia. They do, but they're not there anymore. It, Ohio State's descent, especially, I think, in the back seven, giving up all those plays they did to Michigan, was so shocking to me. I don't know exactly how to explain it. Somebody else that knows Ohio State better could probably do it, but they struggled. Um, that, that was, that was kind of weird, actually. It yeah. was really kind of weird. Yep. Yep. 
Let's get to some more questions here. Uh, here. Here's one from RJG Irving I wanted to respond to. Brian, he says, I understand your tight end rationale, but can you turn down an athlete like Riddell? Well, yeah, it's debatable. You, you, but you can't look at it from that standpoint, Brian, because what we're talking about is you're turning down Riddell to take someone else somewhere else. Yeah, if you were just turning him down just to blank weight is one thing. Right. But we're talking right. about trying to get a big-time D-lineman, Uma or somebody like that, or maybe it's a running back, whatever. Receiver, you want to save yeah. that spot because you think yeah. you can get a big – The other thing, too, you have to consider is Georgia turns down top 100 defensive linemen all the time. It's Top sad. 100 linebackers all the time. Because they, that's Notre Dame is theirs at tight end, Brian. Brian, I mean, that's the thing is you have to understand as Notre Dame fans is you can't look at it in a vacuum. It, it, and I'm not saying they're going to turn down Jaden Riddell. I'm just, I'm just making the point that I could see them saying, "Hey, look," because here's the thing: what if the top four tight ends in the country wanted to come to Notre Dame? You can't take them all. You got to turn somebody down. Eventually, you get to the point where, like, hey, we can't have that many kids on scholarship at this position. So it's again, you have to look at it. This is a very fair question. But you have to look at it from a bigger picture standpoint. They're not turning him down just to say, ah, we don't like you. They're, they haven't turned him down at all, first of all. If they decide not to take him or Carter Nelson, who has a ton of talent, it's because you want to try to get somebody at another position and because you think you can get a kid like him next year at that position. That's the reason that you're doing it. And so it's not just turning him down and then end of story there's a lot more context to it that I think needs to be understood before we get into, I can't believe you turn a guy like that down. Cause I understand that sentiment. And again, I want to be clear. I am not saying they have turned Jaden Riddell down. I'm not saying they have, I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if they decided at some point, I think we're good with just one tight end. It would not shock me if that happens. And it's not just Jaden Riddell. It's also Carter Nelson. who I know isn't ranked as high as Jaden Riddell, and I don't have him as high as Jaden Riddell right now, but I've said this, Cardinal Nelson's ceiling is every bit as high as Jaden Riddell's. It's more about there's a chance they may decide that that's not where they want to go. Now, if Jaden Riddell called tomorrow and wanted to commit, I, I, I think they'd take him. I'm just saying, like, by the time these kids get into decision-making mode, depending on how Notre Dame's recruiting goes from here to then, they may say, we need to go, we need to focus somewhere else. Right. That's part of it, too, is because these kids aren't deciding soon. Jaden Riddell said, I'm not deciding till the summer. Carter Nelson doesn't seem to be in a hurry to, to commit to Notre Dame. By the time they're ready to commit, Notre Dame may already have two backs and three receivers in the class. That happens. Say, they're out of luck. That's my point. And so I just want to make sure people are understand where I'm coming from. We're just looking at this big picture because timing of commitments also factors into this. I believe, and I'll, and, I, and I, this is my opinion, if, if based on, the information I've gathered, if Jaden Riddell called Notre Dame today and said, Hey, I want to come yeah. or if Carter Nelson, I think they take them. I don't think that's it, but it's about, okay, then that means I can't take a second back or I can't take a fourth receiver. What I'm saying is, is by the time these kids are ready to decide, I think they could be in a situation where they may say, Hey, we're going to focus on other things. That's my point. And I'll make sure people understand that because I don't want it to turn into, oh, well, Irish breakdown saying Notre Dame's going to turn on, it's not going to take Jaden Riddell. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the way that this is going to turn out, like if you're only going to take three receivers, you can't not take a third guy now because Ryan, you want to recruit Ryan Wingo. You, you can't do that. Does that mean that you don't like Ryan Wingo? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means you've got to think about the timing of when things are, are happening to put your, your class together. So, uh, that's what I mean by that. And I want people to understand where I'm coming from on that one. hundred percent. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's get down to another one, Ryan. Here's one, I'll, a Brian. Jeez, Louise. I got two Sean's, a Ryan, and a Brian that I do shows with. I did not think through the staff names very well. I need to give people nicknames. Uh, if you could allocate, so this is Andre Tonsil. Uh, this is from you, Brian. If you could allocate those numbers from the offense to the defense, which position groups would you want to add to? So it's, it's reference to the question we talked about with Oklahoma State, where they took away a couple scholarships and added them to certain positions. Where would you want them to go? I know That's my opinion, Brian. I want to hear what, you, what you'd have well, to say. Well, you follow the NFL draft. It's DN and corner traditionally. Those are not – that's the automatic for right now. It's ironically a spot that Notre Dame has done better at history is safety. I mean, you got to adjust occasionally. And unfortunately right now it's, they need to adjust. So maybe short term, you add an extra safety. If you can get the right guy on national signing day or something. And uh, they do need D line again. So if they don't take somebody like Driscoll was talking about a minute ago with regards to tight end. And I'm not saying I, I agree with him. Riddell calls today. That's a pretty difficult no. Yeah, and I don't think they would say no today. I, I agree. Right. But I understand if they did, because they have more information about A, timeline that you were just talking about, and B, okay, we, they're not going to publish this in any way, but our board is X. If one of the top two or three guys like that can rush the passer calls, look, that's just a different value. Um, I've, I've said it a billion times. The star rankings – are at least somewhat accurate, but they're really accurate when you talk about corner, pass rushers, and quarterback. A five-star at any of those three spots is worth exponentially more because they change games faster than anything else. And to Driscoll's point, you got to score like you're in the play. Big play receivers, not just good receivers, but it is third and six. There's not much you can do about it, but my guy is better than your guy. I'm throwing it up, and he's winning a 50-50 ball. That means coaching is not all that important. I mean, it's just not. Right. I mean, it, to a certain degree. Or but, I have a route runner that's just like when this guy needs oh, to yeah. get open, he can. Olave, Olave right. from Ohio State right. one of my favorite Garrett players. Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Oh, God, those guys just smoke people. On third and five, I don't care if you know what's coming, if Cooper Cup's going to still beat you. I mean, that's just that's the kind of that's the kind yeah. of stuff we're talking about. Got- or, or, or this 6'5 guy, Marvin Harrison, is just, just throw it up, and he's going to go make some stupid catch. I mean, yeah, Notre just- Dame's had a few of those guys, but other schools have had two and three of them. Right. Notre Dame, except right. for last year, which was obviously a receiver disaster. Every year they have a guy, but for the most part, some of the teams that are winning it, they've got two, three, like that 19 right. Alabama team had four guys that were oh. legit high in it. I mean, it's ridiculous. So Notre Dame needs to at least have two of those. So a receiver, a corner, a DN, and quarterback. Yeah. Those spots, anytime you can float a scholarship to any of those four, you got to do it. 
I so. would the only the only thing I would change is I would be more broad in in my response, and I would say D line and secondary because it. I could also make the case, okay, DN, but if you're good at DN and you get a Justin Scott type, and if I could add a, you know what I mean? So like, there's so much flexibility. You, you give me a three technique that's disruptive you or an extra guy, or if you give me an extra, like a safety that can play multiple, like, cause there's just so much interchangeableness, Brian. So overall, I do with your point, I would just make it more broad D line and secondary. Is Justin what I would Scott say. is so yeah. rare. Yeah. Uh, the, the most coveted spot in, in football is an elite nose guard. But they're so rare, we don't even talk about it. What is an elite nose guard? A guy that can two-gap, can shoot the gap, or he can run somebody down or whatever, meaning he's just massive right. and he's fast. Right. There's a couple of guys like Scott in every class. Notre Dame just never has them in their backyard, and that's why you guys have had 25 shows that have talked about right. it. And, you know and what I mean? The, you have to right. get it. And the other thing, too, Brian, about adding these positions is because the more positions you – the more players you have in a position, this is the reality of it, the greater odds that you have that somebody's going to pan out and give you what you need. And and that's all about the numbers, brother. Right. So uh, that's why I would say, yeah, I, I would take the tight, an extra, instead of a six tight end, I'd, I'd want one more D lineman, one more safety, one more corner type of thing. And that's the thing that Nuriam has to figure out. Like how you, do you really need 19 offensive linemen on scholarship? How about you get down to 17 Use one of those for an offensive skill, and then one of those for another defensive lineman. That's the kind of roster management that you need to have, and and that's why I say fans don't don't quite understand. They just want to take oh he's highly ranked, take him. No, no, you you can't, right? Like you have to think about numbers, and so and sometimes coaches make those mistakes. Like you know, to me, if 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 I'm taking three linebackers in this class for Notre Dame, we'll talk about this next week. Is I just I can't justify two of them being Bodie Cahoon and and Cole Sullivan. Give me one of them and then Kingston. And then if I'm going to take a third, it's because I get Aaron Childs late or I'm able to flip some kid late. That's really good because you you got three three last year. You got Luke Talich. You've got two kids from the year before. You've got some other linebackers that you're in on in the 25 class. That's the other thing, too, is you got to make sure that when you're building up those numbers that you're making sure that you're smart about. I'm not going to bring a guy in who's just a good depth player. At some point in time, you got to say, hey, we got to shoot for the stars here. And I think we're seeing that on offense. The defensive staff, I'm, I'm a little shaky on with that right now, to be honest with you. Understood. All right, let's get to the next question here from Irvin Castaneda. Thank you, Irvin. Just logging in, and you may have discussed already, but how did the visit with Gallegos go? As a Mexican-American, I would really love to get more Mexican-Americans to be Notre Dame fans. How uh, he would help go Irish? Well, I haven't heard a lot back so far, to be honest with you, because right now Ryan's on vacation. I did check in today, and I heard it went well. It wasn't like an earth-shattering, needle-moving visit for, for, for uh, Marquise, but I think Notre Dame did well. It was Easter weekend, so it's a little bit of a different kind of weekend. They're in the game there with Marquise. I just I don't know if I would say they're the leader right now. I think there's some other schools out west that he likes a little bit more. But it was a good enough visit to where you've got a shot to bring him back for an official. And that was really the, the goal with Marquise coming into the weekend was can you do well enough to get him back for an official? And I think they did well enough for that. I think another thing that would help is it, I, I – I honestly would be very curious or I'd, I'd be very interested to see how the games went for the NFL from, cause I'm anytime you're going to travel abroad, I always worry about security. 
for the players and stuff. This is whether you're playing in Ireland or Rome or whatever. But I I would really like to see Notre Dame if you're going to play a a, a a neutral site game. I wouldn't mind to see them play in Mexico City, like the NFL has done, because to the point is is my understanding is in Mexico especially there's a very heavy Catholic presence. Is my understanding. I, it could be wrong, but that's my understanding. And if Notre Dame did more to promote the game down there, I think you could see that. Because I, I know uh, I, we've we've had some on our show, some some either not just Mexican Americans, but Mexicans that will listen to the show. If you look at our numbers, Brian, we get a decent number of people that listen. Because I can look at it and see where in the world people are listening. Right. We have like a map, and we get a decent number from Mexico. That's awesome. Yeah. And so now, like, there's a lot, like, some from like Thailand, but those are mostly like service members, like soldiers and stuff that are stationed in other places. But Mexico is a place where we we tend to get a lot of a, a lot of listeners. So I, I, it wouldn't shock me if someday Notre Dame played a game in Mexico City, and it is an attempt to kind of say, hey, look, we want to we want to build up a bigger fan right. base down here. Absolutely. And, and, yeah, I could see something like that as well. So I'm actually going to look at my numbers for the last month because I'm. I'm very interested in that, but yeah, like, so, so like if you look at all the other countries, Canada is number one, but two of the bigger countries that we get listeners from that are not Canada, uh, are, I think if I'm looking at this correctly, uh, see here. Yeah. Mexico and Brazil and Belize. Can you believe that? Belize are both top 10 places. Philippines is number three behind us and Canada. But again, that's because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of service members that are. I was stationed. getting ready to say it's got to be military, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, because there's military bases in, in, over there, and then United Kingdom, seventeen hundred, Germany, sixteen hundred. Again, Germany is a lot about mil- the military bases that we have there, uh, and then it's Mexico, Belize, New Zealand, Australia. So, and then Brazil's got uh, a, a decent number as well. So, it, it is kind of fascinating to look at this. I can actually go through the map and look at like different countries. And see, like, okay, that's interesting. Like, why would we have numbers from there? Um, like, I'm trying to look at, there was one the other that we saw recently, 38 from Egypt, 38 downloads in the last week from Egypt, right? So it's kind of funny, two from South Africa. There was a country in Africa recently that we looked at, we was looking at these numbers, and there was like 50 downloads from this country in Africa. And I was like, okay, that's, that's wild. I wouldn't have expected that. 191 in Saudi Arabia, um, 187 in Jordan. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty wild, man. It's pretty fun. Italy's three hundred seventeen, so it's it's pretty cool to see those see those kind of numbers. It, it really, and then some there's like zero, none from Russia, but I don't know if they necessarily port them. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty interesting. I just find it fascinating to see that stuff. So I, I could see something like that. I could see something like that where Notre Dame has a game once a decade or something like that in Mexico City. It wouldn't shock me to see them do that. What would you think about something like that, Brian? As long as you figure out the logistics and you can get the other team to agree to them as well. All right. The question is, how does the money work and all that? Because there's not a lot of, there's no nice way to say this. The political nature between United States and Mexico is not very friendly. Right now, it's not for sure. Yeah. And it's not going to be anytime soon. So, well, it sounds good. Yeah. I don't see that happening. The NFL does it. And that's the thing. That's what I would want to find out from the NFL is like, how does it work? Like, what does it work? How, what's the process like? The only way I can see that is the NFL is throwing so much money at Notre Dame is not very friendly with giving money away either. So that's another thing. NFL is the richest sports. Like it just, they kill it. 
So except yeah. for a couple of the leagues in soccer in Europe, uh, they're, they're pretty much it. Yeah. Be interesting. Be very interesting. Let's get to, I have a two part question here from insured by big. Who's one of our LSU fans. Archer four, five, two is a Ohio state fan. Antoine Johnson's a Michigan fan. We'll have him coming up here too. So I do love the fact that we have fans from other fan bases that listen. Uh, and you guys need to check out our CFP nation channel. Cause we're going to have a lot more stuff. Uh, that's going to talk national stuff here moving forward. But insured by big says recruiting to me is absolutely the most challenging part of a program. Every kid want, every kid's wants are different and trying to project a kid's talent from high school to college is so unknown to LSU fan here, but Notre Dame is going to be a problem for years to come. I believe NIL will start to settle too. And, and Notre Dame fans need not to be so negative on recruiting, start looking at the talent they get. What you have to understand is a lot of that negativity comes from BK PTSD. It's what happened during the Brian Kelly era, which is for so long. This isn't, Brian Kelly hate. This is just reality. They settled for far too long. They were just not a legit player for big time players. They just wouldn't even fight those fights. And so Notre Dame fans have just kind of been conditioned to assume they're not going to get those kids. And this, this, and it's not just BK PTSD. It goes all the way back to, to Ty, you know, Lorenzo Booker. And remember when everybody thought we all thought we were going to get Sean Cody, right? It was, I mean, Sean Cody's in, I grew up a Notre Dame fan and then they don't get him. They would just, it's been going on for a long time. And so I think Notre Dame fans are still struggling to adjust to the idea that Marcus Freeman has changed the game. Even with NIL, Marcus Freeman has changed the game. And and so many Notre Dame fans too, this because it's funny that I find fans from other, not always, because I don't think Archer has a, a, a proper view of Notre Dame's talent level, but I, I talk to a lot of fan bases and they're like, Dude, I, Notre Dame concerns me, and you got LSU people. This is an LSU guy saying that. I, I think Antoine's talked about that in the past. But they're seeing it because they're the ones losing some of these kids. They don't normally lose to Notre Dame, whereas Notre Dame fans are still too focused on the guys they lost. Well, they didn't get Keon. They get Peyton Bond, and th- those are huge losses. But then they don't put enough on. But do you know how big it was to get Jeremiah Love? Do you know how big it was to get Christian Gray? You beat Ohio State and LSU for him. Do you know? Th- trust me. LSU hired his high school football coach and you still beat them for him. Those are when people debate DBU right now, like modern DBU, who's the debate between Brian? It's OSU or LSU, right? You beat both of them for Christian gray. That doesn't happen very often. This is what we said about Benjamin Morrison. Notre Dame doesn't often go beat Alabama and Washington when Jimmy Lake was still there for DB. Notre Dame, Washington was killing Notre Dame in the secondary. They wanted Trent McDuffie. They wanted Kyler, Kyler, um, uh, what's his last? Kyler Gordon. Mike Elko loved Kyler Gordon. He was his number one corner, and he got beat by Jimmy Lake for him. They've been killing Notre Dame in secondary recruiting. And so there's still this too much of a focus from Notre Dame fans on the guys they lost without recognizing, do you know how huge it was to get three dudes from Texas at receiver last year? Do you know how big it was to get Christian Gray and Jeremiah Love out of St. Louis and the teams you had to beat for them? Like, And, and they're just – do you know how good, how big it was to go down into, into Baton Rouge and beat LSU and the SEC, Texas A&M and all those schools for Jaden Osbury? Do you all understand how big that is? And I don't think there's enough weight being put on that, and that's what – now – do you need to start getting the Keon Keelys? Yes, you do. Do you need to start winning the Peyton Bowen battles? Absolutely, you do. But they're winning a lot more of those battles than they have in the past. And that's the argument that I made a couple of weeks ago when there was the question of, oh, Notre Dame's not recruiting any better under Marcus Freeman than Brian Kelly. There's no metric that can that can that you can use to, to, to say that's true. None. 
Last 10 years, two of the three highest-ranked recruiting classes from 24-7's own point system were the two classes that Marcus Freeman basically put together as the D.C. slash head coach and then as the head coach. The blue-chip ratio the last two years blows away what it was before. The the seven years before, Brian, the blue-chip ratio, which is four and five stars and three stars, basically percentage, was in the 54%. In the last two years under Marcus Freeman, it's in the 80s. It's not even close. It's not there yet. But it's getting there. And it's it I think he gets it, but I think Notre Dame fans are understandably conditioned to expect the worst. And and, and to, and to obsess over recruiting rankings to a point where it's like, I think you guys are kind of missing the boat a little bit on this. And so that's why I mean wanna know why I'm fired up about this team? Because I see the jump in talent, not just on film, but then I go to the practices and I'm like, there's so much, there's so many more athletes now than there was before. Guys right now that are struggling to be on the second team that in 2020 would have played a ton if not started. Like Think about it. Clarence Lewis is battling to be number Notre Dame's number three, maybe number four corner. He started on their 2020 playoff team. Started on their 2020 playoff team. That means He's struggling to be number three right now. That's right. Yeah. That means Notre Dame's headed in the right direction. And that's that's right. only through recruiting, period. That's right. Jabron Payne in 2019 is 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 – the number two running back behind Kyron Williams easily right now he's battling to be number five, number four. Oof. Right. That's like, hard to imagine. Different animal. Yeah. Notre so, Dame has a lot better chance to survive. And I'm not saying I want this, but if an injury happens to somebody, you can pick a position, right? Except for safety where they're just, Correct. there's no way around it. That, that spots, it just can't happen. Other than that, the skill spots and all that line, they're, they're pretty good shape. Right. So, yeah, it's um, it's going to be interesting. Now, they, now the thing is, we'll admit they've got to close on some of those other. They've got to close on some more good defensive linemen. They've got to close on a couple more skill guys. There's no doubt they're they have not arrived yet. All I'm trying to say is, we can say that they haven't arrived yet, but still enjoy the fact that boy, they're further along than people realize, and that's what gets me fired up. Even with the losses that they've had, Brandon Hillman losing him sucked. Losing Keon Kelly sucked. Peyton Bowen sucked. But it doesn't take away from the fact of how good last year's class still was. And uh, that's what has me fired up. It, it, it does. It does. And, I mean, the guys we're talking about today, Brian, Jason Robinson, they don't get him th- two, three years ago. I have no way. There's no chance that Dell Alexander beats gets Jason Robinson two, three years ago. None. Yeah, probably wouldn't have called him. None. Last year's receiver class wouldn't have looked anything like it did if Dell Alexander's still here. Nothing like it did. He was a terrible recruiter. So uh, that's just the reality of it. And so, yeah, they got to get better, but it's, it's come a long way. And that's what, that's exciting. And, and, you know, where Brian Kelly deserves credit is they have a better product to sell to people. They, they won a lot of games against teams they were supposed to beat. And that's the thing that Marcus Freeman's got to do this year. So it's going to be fun. We got, we got a last couple here, Brian, before we get out of here, Antoine Johnson says, Brian, do you think there's a way for any college schools to help public schools with their programs locally, perhaps some type of partnership in athletics and academics? This could help both sides. Unfortunately, the NCA makes that very hard. To I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. They don't want the schools around the kids except for very discreet, right. specific times, end all be all. Now, well, that's that's hard where where it can get where where I think you can help. And, and this is this is the thing is. I, I mean, a lot of things that I think could help 
academics to me uh, would be a completely different show that would cover things that really don't have a lot to do with football. And so I don't really care to go there, but the reality is, is, is to your point, Antoine, is I would love it if there was ways that colleges could help, you know, these schools in that regard. But if it was something that was related to academics at all or athletics at all, it immediately becomes just a big no, no for the NCAA. You know, like Alabama can't donate money to help build up, you know, in-state school, whatever, because then it's going to look like, well, you're just doing this to entice kids to come. And I mean, honestly, it would be. It's yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, they would be spending money at places where the top kids already are coming from. It wouldn't actually help. This is rare for you me know. to say this, but the NCAA would have a point. I hate yes. the NCAA, yeah. but they would have complete. I, I get yeah. it. So, so it'd be awesome, but it just is. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's just it's just not going to happen. No. Here's one from Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker. You're hearing, I'm hearing a lot of this. I'm going to ask this question, Brian. I'm going to let you speak on this first. It says, guys, is Ryan Day, if Ryan Day loses to Notre Dame and Michigan this year, is he fired? So basically goes 10 to 2 in the regular season, loses to uh, road games to Notre Dame and, uh, and to Michigan. Uh, there's three answers to this that all go together. If he gets smoked by both Notre Dame and Michigan, that's different than. Michigan scores on the last play of the game. JJ throws a fade ball or something. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, that's that's one part. Two, you better be careful what you ask for. The, yeah. the famous thing that and Driscoll and I laugh about this all the time on the phone. It's not who you fire. It's who you hire. Right. Who the hell is going to come in and magically discontinue this at Ohio State? Who's going to want that job? If That's you what I'm saying. Ryan Day after, after the run he's, he's had, people are looking and say, "There's no way I'm taking that job." People like, want a job where they're going to be respected. And the money's insane. Even at crappy jobs, you're making seven figures. That's just true. So why would I put my because at Ohio State, like whoever the head coach is, why forget they're going to get ridiculed if you lose a game. Ohio State fans are horrendous. They're my least favorite fan base in the country. It's debatable, but they would be my number yeah. one gun to head. Also, like Brian said, if, you, if you're going to do that, you would set a precedent for not just the current administration, but potentially long term. Don't, don't think about that. And then, then finally, you know, how did he do in the other games? You know, Ohio State, except for those two games that are mentioned in this question. What do you think, Driscoll? Is there a game that they're not favored by 15 or more out of the other games? You know, if they lose one of those others. Penn State, maybe. Yeah, Penn State like might be nine or something like that. That's possible. But they should win every other game by two scores or more. If he's winning 27-24 to Indiana or something, Mm -hmm. and he loses those two, whole different ballgame. Because then you can see deterioration. At least there would be some plausible. But even then, again, who are you going to hire? Right. Every fan base is under this ridiculous illusion that the next guy is going to be better. Yeah. Who's who's the messiah that's coming up in college football right now? There isn't even one. There's nobody we're even talking about for any job. Well, this Notre is Dame fans are thinking, here. well, they're afraid that if Notre Dame beats Ohio State, then Ohio State's going to come for Marcus Freeman. And maybe they do. But my whole I thing is, know. is if you're Marcus Freeman, why the heck would you? Again, they just fired a coach who was hugely successful. Yeah, and I guarantee you they know each other. I guarantee he wouldn't like them. I would bet heavily Marcus would take the phone call. It's his alma mater. Sure. He wouldn't take the job. 
You're talking about a guy where he's 45 and 6, and he's 31 and 2 in conference. The fact that we're even talking about him being fired is just says the absurdity of Ohio State fans. That's why I said they're the worst. We just lost to the national champions by a freaking point in the playoff, right? Like, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of teams that trade positions with you in a heartbeat. Like, and and there's this other notion. So, well, you know, they fired John Cooper because he lost to Michigan. Not really. That was the reasoning. But let's not act like they fired John Cooper after a 10 and 2 season. They fired John Cooper after he had two years in a row where they went 14 and 10. They went six and six and eight and four. They finished eighth and fourth in the Big Ten his last two years. If they were still winning 11, 10 games a year, it would have been a whole lot harder to fire John Cooper. There's Cooper no stepped against Michigan, but your yes. point was kind of like mine. If you're struggling against Indiana and Illinois and schools like that, the alumni are going to take that a lot more personal. Although they hate Michigan more, they still respect them more too. To get beat by Michigan is not, yeah. a, it's not a terrible – to get beat by Illinois, eh, that's yeah. not I think the other thing too is we have to understand is the the Notre Dame the Ohio State fan base does not speak for the Ohio State administration, and Ryan Day is going to have to have a bad season for him to be. He's got to go four and eight or something, you know, or six and six, seven and five. Like here's the thing: if he if they get smacked, let's say they get smacked by Notre Dame, they lose again to Michigan, third year in a row. They get beat at home by Penn State, and let's say go to a bowl game and and let's say they go to the like Outback Bowl or something and get smacked by South Carolina. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But the other thing too is if you're smart, it's you're only doing that because you know you who's going to replace them. You know you've got somebody lined up to replace them. And who's that going to be? Right? Like Lincoln Riley's not coming to Ohio State. Nick Saban's not coming to Ohio State. Maybe Marcus Freeman, but that's a big risk too because you're talking about a guy that for all the success. And, and here's the thing. What would make Marcus Freeman attract to Ohio State? He goes to a playoff game. Well, if you're Marcus Freeman and you you just went to the playoff in Notre Dame and Ohio State just fired a coach who'd been in the playoff how many times in, in recent years? Because he had one down year, pass. You know, because look, Brian Kelly went eight, four and eight in twenty four and eight in twenty sixteen and didn't get fired. He'd only had two 10 win seasons in the previous five years. That's it. He didn't get Notre fired. Dame has more credibility with coaches because of that. Way more in that regard. It's just it's just the way it is. So, uh, and I'm not, I'm not even arguing that Kelly should have been fired. I'm just saying, like, if he goes four and eight at Ohio State this year, he's getting fired. Like, there's like, look at Dan Mullen. He's in the SEC title. He's won. He won like what two major bowl games in a row, right at Florida, and has a down year and they fire him. Like, you know, it's like uh, I don't know if people want to do. The guy went 10 and 3, 11 and 2, 8 and 4 in a year they played in the SEC Championship game. And then they've won the Peach Bowl, they've won the Orange Bowl. His lowest season in ranking in his 3 years at 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 Florida was 13th. And that was the year they played Bam in the SEC title game. They finished 7th, 6th and 13th overall. The next year he goes out, goes 5 and 6 and he gets fired. Like welcome to the Southeastern Conference. Yes. Yeah, the point is they replaced him with Billy Napier. Okay, do, can you guarantee me that Billy Napier is going to be better than Dan Mullen? No, you can't. And Florida's not in nearly good a situation as Ohio State. So, again, I'm not saying that that Ohio State fans won't want him fired, but Gene Smith is not a moron. And I think you'd have to be a moron to fire Ryan Day for any other reason than just, A, he does something immoral, which I've never heard anything about Ryan Day being that. I've never heard anything like that about him in that regard where he's out there – doing some of the stuff that like Lane Kiffin and some of these other coaches have done in their, you know, 
tenures as, as coaches, Ed Orgeron was doing. So I just, barring an, a, another collapse, Brian, which, I mean, Ohio State could just roll the ball out and win nine games next year. I mean, let's be honest about that. They, they can play like garbage and still win nine games next year against the teams on their schedule. They can. It's Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan. That's it. That's really the only teams that can beat them on their schedule. That's it. Unless they beat themselves. Right, exactly. Exactly. And, and it, even then, like, there's games last year where I thought they played like trash and still won by 14 points because they're just so much more talented than everybody else in their conference other than Michigan or Penn State. So I just, I just, Ryan, I, or Brian, I just feel like, we 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 far too often we get into these things of we believe that that the school believes this because the fans believe this, and I just have a hard time believing that Ryan Day being fired is even remotely a topic of conversation amongst administrators for Ohio State, and it shouldn't be. To be James Washington's not that stupid, right? Yeah, it sucks. You lost to Michigan. You went to the freaking college football playoffs and took the nas- defending national champs and eventual national champs down to the wire, where in reality you probably played outplayed them longer in that game than they outplayed you. And if your star receiver doesn't get hurt, maybe maybe you win. Maybe you know, maybe you win. <laughs> so I just I have a hard time believing that. I do. I, I just I have a hard time believing that. Oh, you know, Fickle and Vrabel. What's Mike Vrabel done with the Titans? What's what's Luke Fickle done without Marcus Freeman at Cincinnati or Marcus Freeman's recruits at Cincinnati? Like, do you really want to take that gamble? I don't. That would be their next phone call. Yeah. But that's the whole point. There aren't any right now is a very awkward time yeah. in college football. So good luck to them if they yeah. decide to part ways with Ryan Day. And I'm not yeah. saying he's a savior. Right. I'm just saying be careful what you ask for. And I would be willing to bet that they would probably go to Fickle or Vrabel before they go to Freeman. They Unless Notre Dame's more, winning a championship next year. They have a lot more coaching experience. That's that's hard. Yeah. Not saying that they should. Uh, but uh, you know me, I'm not a big Luke Fickle guy. We'll find out at Wisconsin how good of a coach he is. But so that, that's my thing is, Brian, is I just I, I hear and I look, I have family in Ohio. Believe me, I hear the Ryan Day complaining when I go back home and visit my family. Trust me, I get it. But as I've learned my entire life, do you know, I mean, Ohio State fans wanted John Cooper fired years before he actually got fired. They didn't fire him until he started losing. That's just the reality of it. And I and I feel the same way now. Like it just, man, that would that would make that job so unattractive. And here's the thing you don't really want to be the coach that walks into that situation. It's like with Florida. Best thing that ever happened to Urban Meyer is the fact that he didn't have to replace Steve Spurrier. He got to replace the guy that replaced the guy. You know what I mean? And that's 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 where you want to be. You want to be the guy that like that replaces the guy. You don't want to be the guy that replaces Jimmy Johnson. You want to be the guy that replaces the guy that replaced Jimmy Johnson. That's the reality of it. And uh, that's what's going to make the Bama job really interesting when Saban, if Saban ever decides to retire. Um, I don't even know if he will, honestly. He might die in his office. I'm serious. I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to be flippant when I say that. Like, I he's he's not going to be able to sit at home with his wife. Mm-mm. He can't do it. Yeah, I just some people are that way. Some people are that way. So yeah, we'll see. I think the only. I think the so let me ask you this question, Brian. Let's say they go 10 and 2, but they get absolutely. Let's say they have a 10 and 2 season like Notre Dame in 06. Remember that one? Where yeah, Notre Dame only lost two games, but they got obliterated by Michigan and, and, and beat handily by USC, although the USC loss points wise was similar to the Michigan loss, but Michigan thoroughly outplayed Notre Dame. 
Yeah, Notre Dame didn't play well against USC, but USC had better players. Notre Dame competed for a little while in that game. Uh, you know, so and then then they have a bowl game like Notre Dame had in the Sugar Bowl, where they go to a bowl game and just get destroyed. I could see that maybe being a scenario where they say, "Hey, we got to make a change. We got we got to make a change in in, in this situation because we're we're just we've regressed as a program. We played three four good teams this year, and three of them just blew us out." That might be something that maybe could convince them to make it. But even then, Ryan, Brian, I just, I don't, man, I don't, I just don't see it. I say it again. Who are you going to hire? So good luck. Yeah. That's going to, I mean, like when LSU fired Orgeron, there were multiple big time coaches that they could go get. They won in Lincoln Riley, didn't work out. So who do they turn to? Brian Kelly. I don't know if there's that kind of market right now for those kind of coaches because those guys just got hired. Like Brian Kelly's not leaving LSU to go to Ohio State, in my opinion. Right, Lincoln Riley's not leaving USC to go to Ohio State. You're going to have to take your chances with Luke Fickle and Mike Vrabel, you know, maybe Marcus Freeman. So I just I don't see it. And, and I also don't see Ohio State taking the step back that a lot of people think they will. I, I Well, their offensive line's not that good. Well, their offensive line wasn't very good two years ago, and they won the Rose Bowl. Their offensive line wasn't great last year, and they they went to the college football playoff. Their their skill know? talent is so good on yeah. offense that they just oh, but they, out beat team they lose CJ Stroud, and and they're gonna have a first time start. CJ Stroud had zero career passes when he took over in twenty twenty one. Zero, right? Like they're gonna be fine at quarterback. You know, is is Kyle McCord as good as CJ Stroud? I don't think so, but the talent around him is gonna be loaded, and they're gonna probably be healthier at running back. You get Evan Pryor back from injury. Dallin Hayden's gonna be year two guy. Mayan Williams and Trayvon Henderson are healthier. You're good there. You're going to have a loaded receiving core. You bring everybody back from your receiving core that actually played last year because Jackson Smith and Jigma didn't even hardly play last year. And you bring in arguably the best receiving core in the country. Like, they're going to be fine. You know, will they beat Notre Dame in Michigan? We'll find out. I actually think they're going to beat Michigan. I think I have Ohio State going 11 and 1 next year. I do. I think they'll lose Notre Dame, just my early prediction. Uh, I think they'll beat Penn State and I think they'll beat Michigan because they get Penn State at home. And and they'll beat Penn State at home. The Penn State will play him tough. Penn State always plays Ohio State tough. I got to give James Franklin that man. He even when his teams aren't that good, he they they compete against Ohio State even when they lose. And I think they'll beat Michigan. I don't think they're going to lose to Michigan three years in a row. I just don't see it. I really don't see it. I, I like Michigan in that one. I just I just I just they, don't. They've man. got their number right now, so I don't they know do they do. But I just I ha- I have a hard time seeing that three years in a row. McCarthy is going to be better is the reason I'm picking it. I think he so. He didn't even do a lot in the last game, and they smoked. I think he'll be better. I don't think the offensive line is going to be as good. No, I don't think, the, and I don't think the defense is going to be as good. I don't. And I think something else too, Brian. I'll say this, and and people may disagree with this. My thing with Michigan too in Ohio State too this year is I think that not having C.J. Stroud is going to help Ohio State from a coaching standpoint. Not as a no, team. Just relying on him. Yes. They put way too much on <laughs> CJ's shoulders last year. Especially Georgia Wilson. game. Yes. Yeah. Whereas this year, I feel like they're going to say, hey, we don't have CJ. Yes, we have great receivers, but we're going to need to be a little bit more balanced. Uh, and, and I think that's going to make them better, in my opinion. Because then I go, it was harder to do that last year, too, because they the running back injuries that they had throughout the year. I mean, Travion was never healthy. Mayan was banged up in it was in and out of the lineup. When he was in it, he was rushing for 100 yards. When he, then he was out. Uh, Dallin Hay was a rookie. Then he got hurt late. Um, Evan Pryor tore his ACL before the season even started. Those guys are all back. 
and I believe Trainum's moved to running back last year too, right? Then they he came to Ohio State to play linebacker. I think they moved. They had some injuries, so I don't, I don't know, know what he's doing now. They're not, but. They'll be fine. They'll be there. fine there. I yeah. worry about right Ohio now. State's not going to take this big step back that people think that they will. I, I, they're not. I just think that's Ohio State fans just being like, I, I. But I'll say this, Brian. I long for the day that Notre Dame fans are complaining about seasons like Notre Dame, like Ohio State's having. I would love that to be the case. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to. We're complaining about nine and four. I would much rather be there, and I think they'll get there. I think they'll get there. So. um, you know, we'll see. I just I think that the thing that's hurt Ryan Day is his he's been too Ryan Day likes to show everyone how smart he is. That's my issue with Ryan Day. Instead of just saying, Hey, we got better players than them. Let's go, let's go be that. And I just think his unwillingness, because here's the thing, and you learn this about coaches, the further and further away he's gotten from Urban Meyer, the more he's been pass heavy. And I think that's what made that 19 team so good, in my opinion, Ryan is is was Brian. Is that Ryan that Ryan, that first Ryan Day team, really the first two Ryan Day teams, but especially that first Ryan Day team, they were incredibly balanced. I mean, really balanced. I mean, they averaged forty six point nine points per game. They averaged two hundred sixty six point seven nine two sixty six point eight yards per game, and then they also had a quarterback that passed for forty one touchdowns and three picks. They only averaged, I mean, only, they averaged 263.1 passing yards per game, 266.8 rushing yards per game. They were a very balanced team. And just the further and further away that they've gotten from that, the more pass have they become. And in 2021, they're down 80 yards passing or rushing. They're down to 180.3, still good, but 180.3. They're passing for a bunch of yards, 369.6 by the starter, 380.9 for the team. This past year, they're at 298 passing uh, and then uh, 192 rushing, so a little bit better. But a lot of that was because they were had some blowout games where they just didn't throw the ball a ton. To me, it, Ohio State needs to be a team that needs to be more balanced because when you get into the late-season games against the Michigan, when it's cold and the weather's not great, like nothing pissed me off more than listening to Ohio State fans whine about the weather in the Michigan Ohio the Michigan game in 2021. It's in the you Midwest on Thanksgiving. Ohio, they're in Ann Arbor. What ex- have you? You and I rarely. You and I grew up watching that game because we'd watch that game at noon and then we watch Notre Dame USC or whatever else coming afterwards. I don't remember very many games that were 70 and sunny. So if you're a coach and you're complaining about the weather in Ohio in November, you're an idiot and you didn't build your team correctly. That that's my thing about Amen. this. Brian is is that's a you problem and when Ohio State was owning Michigan for those years they could compete with Michigan in the trenches if not outplay them right the fact that you're complaining about how cold it was and how that hurt your offense you are at Ohio State if you can't run the football at Ohio State that's on you if you're losing games because the, the weather wasn't conducive to our style of play that's a you problem yeah, you know what, what state you're in. It's about? not. A, yeah, that was right. Yeah, they they didn't do a good enough job with O line recruiting. The, the running back situation was a little beat up. But Dallas Hayden's a hell of a player. Style of play. It's also yeah. you didn't build yourself to be physical and tough. And and that's the thing too is is you got to build your you, you you don't just turn that sw- switch on in game thir- game week thirteen game twelve and oh we're going to be physical this week. We've been out athleting people every week. We're going to turn right. the physical. It's got to be 100%. who you are. I agree. 
And that's that's what to me, Ryan Day's not doing. It's it's they don't instill the toughness like they they did it against Notre Dame. But you know why they were that way against Notre Dame? And this is why I think if they don't change their ways, is why I think it's going to hurt them against Notre Dame this year. They had the whole fall camp to get ready for that physicality against Notre Dame, and then they went away from it the rest of the year. By the time they got to Michigan, they weren't that team anymore, in my opinion. Yeah. And so that's what he's got to fix, in my opinion. It's not talent or anything. It's meant it's been ta- who do you want to be? Because the minute you start complaining, here's what I can promise you, Brian. Wherever you play that game, Michigan Ohio State game, chances are it's going to be pretty cold. It's going out on a limb here that either Columbus or Ohio are going to be in late November, yeah. right? So if you're not building your team to be able to handle those moments, then that's on you. By the way, my computer is about to die. So okay, sounds good. Well, that was the last <laughs> question we had. Great time. Great time to have it. I want to thank everybody for being with us today on the show. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today, man. I, You know I always love talking ball with you. We are going to have – we'll let you know when we know exactly what we're going to do, but Brian and I are in the process of figuring out what kind of show he's going to have on CFB Nation. He's going to talk recruiting, Florida, Georgia, something along yeah. those lines. Because CFB Nation is meant to be a national channel. This is the Notre Dame channel. So we're going to have some fun talking about that stuff. So make sure you're subscribing to the CFB Nation channel on the podcast platform and on YouTube because we're going to have a lot of stuff going on here. So I want to thank you all for being with us today. Had a lot of fun. We'll be back tomorrow at one o'clock on our normal time tonight. Obviously, CFB or IB Nations or IB Sports Talk tonight at six o'clock will be back. So have that show. Hit that like button, folks. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. And of course, sign up for the message boards at boards dot irishbreakdown.com thanks for having us thanks for being with us thanks for having us on your tv computer whatever the case may be we'll talk to you again soon on the irish breakdown podcast Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.